0: Welcome everyone to another very special episode of Chat Grapple and Cheek Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd here with my main man JB, and we have got another special interview that has just literally popped out of nowhere. We we will do a review soon. We've done a UK review, but um we're gonna do another pay-per-view review soon. But this one we could not say no to. So, JB.
1: We couldn't say no, we couldn't wait. This has to be done we are so excited for this one to come to everyone hot damn strap yourselves in it's gonna be fun
0: Welcome everyone to another extremely special episode of Chat, Grapple and Cheat Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd. I'm here with my main man JB and we've got an absolutely fantastic guest with us today. He is former WCW, WWF, ECW, All Japan, NWATNA and 1992 Pro Wrestling Illustrated Rookie of the Year. I'm sure he's done a hell of a lot of other shit in between that too. He is the amazing Eric Watts
2: how's it going my brothers Good, JB, how you, uh, jb how are you jb how you doing man since you set this thing up baby All uh,
1: right, man i am i am absolutely fucking thrilled that you are here this is boy
2: didn't I, I i had to cover my butt the other day calling you and apologize like 10 times over jb like like i got my wires crossed and i got three different you know uk things and i'm like and i thought everyone's on the same page and i completely banged it up and you could not be more professional and say eric it's okay. And yet I, I apologize like 10, 10 more times after that. So I'm sorry, my man, but I love being on your show.
1: Like we said, this was it was never a problem in the first place. We thank you so much for being with us. This is you know, Eric Watts is in the house, metaphorically, obviously, because we're split up here. But yes, sir. Damn, we're excited.
2: Man, I, I'm excited too. We're gonna knock the show out.
0: Man, just really excited to have someone like yourself on who has who has literally probably seen everything there is to see. You've probably, I mean, growing up in the business as you did, um, you know, you were growing up with some of the absolute greats in the business, right? I mean.
2: Man, it, 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 listen, you can't see, the if you can see the hair on my arm, when you guys talk about that, right, you know, I don't, you know, I, I used to tell people, I don't know whether I'm a mark or a wrestler or a fan or you know it's such a melting pot for me and to say that my life has been a complete dream and blessing I can only say my life has been a complete dream and blessing I mean I, I I called Ted DiBiase for the first time the other day to talk to him about an angle that he did with Ric Flair and and he was like hey Eric, let me call you right back I'm with Teddy Jr for his birthday and I love you and you know I call Jim Ross I mean Jim Ross you know I, I when I'd go home from school I'd stop in the the, the the office and there's my dad and Jim Ross and Jim would either give me a good sign like my dad's having a good day or a bad day and then I if it was a good sign I'd stay if it was bad I got the hell out right because you know he might even find me and I was like 12 13, 10 whatever it was. my dad <laughs> find everybody and um, you know to sit there and you know have relationships with 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 sting. You know, and, and junkyard dog. He gave me my first nickname, Slick Slam. and and we just, we we just keep on going. I was talking to Jody Hamilton Jr. yesterday, saying, "Hey, did I hear that you had a wrestling school?" He's like, "Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm carrying the tradition on because his dad just passed away." I got I got two or three people that want to you know, go to a school, but I got to go to somewhere they trust. And 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 he's shooting he's shooting uh, uh, images of him at Mid South. I mean, Shawn Michaels. I remember Sean Michaels coming up to me and going, "Eric, man." you know, I've got young kids and all they've seen me is win, win, win. And they've seen me on the top. I want to show them that I had to start at the bottom. And I said, so what are you asking me? He was, can I get some mid-south stuff? So I was like, yeah. So I called my brother. I'm like, Hey, can you bang out a CD of like five, six Sean Michaels match and, and, and send it to this address. And he was like, no problem. Sean called me back. He was like, Eric, I love you, baby. And you sent me like five, six matches, but I kind of want to send them back I go, What's wrong? He goes, all I did was get my ass whooped. And and, and I, I and I don't even think that you send me a match over five minutes. I go, but here's the deal. My dad knew you're so talented because you took the best ass whoopings I've ever seen. I didn't, because I, I didn't know what my brother, I don't remember all the matches. So so I had to just react. And Sean's like, I don't even know if I want to show my kids this. I go, that's on you, baby. Love you, you know? <laughs> so, um, I, and I, I can go on and go on. Man, you know, for forever and ever, my mom talked about us staying humble. And, and that, you know, God had blessed us, and, and therefore people, you know, religious, not religious, however you you, you are, um, to be humble, right? My mom and her family escaped. Um, they were well-to-do in Estonia. And then when the Russians took them over, they literally took all the jewelry and all the things they could and snuck out on, and, and on a milk, actually milk wagon, like the milk wagons out Uh, The dad didn't make it through and made it to the shore and bartered. And the boat had been hit in the world war and started to sink outside Germany. So then my mom and the family, they could have come over separate, but they stayed seven years in concentration camps, which were called deportation camps for seven years uh, before they came over. And so she's like, you know, understanding to be humble and humility is very important. And so, you know, as a, as a, as a kindergartner, first grade, second grade, over in over in America, they do a lot of what they call show and tell. You bring something special from home and you talk about it. And, you know, mom's like, that's cool, but then that could be like braggadocious. And I'm like, okay, so I never did it. Because on my third or fourth grade year, I'm like, I know dad works. I know dad's only in town four or five days a month. You know, and most of the time it'd be like to get home to write checks, to send out to people and stuff. And I'm like, mom, is there any way you can see if dad would just show up for show and tell and she's like eric you know you you've been so good and so patient that if you want show and tell let me look into it i said okay so a few weeks later she goes hey you know what next time they do show and tell do you know the date i told her the date. she goes "I'll, I'll, i'll i'll talk to your dad so so she didn't say dad would show up uh um so i remember she goes that morning she goes hey um, I, I got something for you for show and tell. So now I'm in the front of the class and I don't even know what the heck I'm presenting. <laughs> and I'm like, I in there, like Eric, show and tell. And my mom, because there's a door and there's a small window, and my mom's like, This. And I go, I got something for show and tell. And all the kids are like, Okay, whatever. And then the door opens up, and then all of a sudden, the biggest afro comes in and ducks under. And my mom actually brought Andre the Giant for my show and tell. Okay. Right after my class, Andre said, Can I have lunch with you guys? And so we're in the middle school, right? They have all these tables with the seats already attached. He couldn't fit. So they brought him his own table. And he was actually trying to eat off the meal trays. The fork barely fit in his hand. And he sat there and ate with me. Do you understand? After that point, there was nothing more special that ever happened to that town again it was just over I, I I was the man and and my mom didn't do it my mom didn't do it so that I was popular my mom did it because like you know she was teaching me a lesson like being humble and respectful for long times then you should be like rewarded but who in the f brings andre the giant to show into and he even pulled off his ring you know the, the right side ring in which um you know would be the wedding ring on your left and then and then my mom had set it up you know you could pass a silver dollar through his ring. That's how big his hand was. Okay. And, um, and he'd actually come in town because my dad was going to bonus him some boots. Cause he would always say, you know, boss, I like your boots. So my dad, my dad had a whole bunch of collections of boots, but he had very high dollar, you know? And so these were ostrich boots he wants wanted. So the funny story is uh, this place called Drysdale's huge country store in Oklahoma. And, um, they they got them and they they were twenty three quadruple e was the size. We got there. My dad gave them as a gift. They're too small. <laughs> so my dad calls up Drysdale. and goes, "These are too small." And they're like, "We can't send them back." My dad's, "Well, you're buying them back no matter what." I'm like, what do you want us to do with them? And they go, "Well, you got in Oklahoma City and you got a Tulsa location. Take a picture with him and put him in, in a in a glass box and say." Andre the Giant, we ordered him boots and they're too small, 23 quadruple E. They did it. They paid him twice as much as my dad paid for them. And they said it was the number one reason that they had thousands upon thousands of people a year. Even if they didn't buy boots, they came to see Andre the Giant's boots. That's how That's how brilliant my dad was. Always marketing, you know. Um, and the night before, the Tulsa World had got with my dad and my dad was going to do a promotion. And said, why don't you go out eating and drinking with me and Andre? The night before Andre and it's in the Tulsa world paper ha- head story. He drank 101 Coors lights, 12 ounce Coors lights, two quarts of Jack Daniels and ate 70 bone steaks. And my dad's deal was you take us out. You get the interview. If you pay his bill. <laughs> and and, and it, all, all it did was put over Andre John Mid-South sports, you, you know? So my dad was always working the deal. So to, to say that I've got a million stories in one. It's not because I'm special, my friends. I'm nobody. I, I, I swear to God, I'm nobody. You guys are the most important thing in the world, and I tell people this. I, I, I get podcast requests all the time, and I can only take so many. But if it wasn't for people like you to hand down stories and histories to people, then there wouldn't be any stories and histories. Like my dad will not do a podcast. He won't do anything. I begged and begged. He finally did one la- last night, and he told me, "He goes, Eric." That was so much fun. But the person that did the podcast said, you know, Mr. Watts, I wish that I, you know, I wish YouTube was so popular before because you can find all this wrestling. And then they said, Do you understand that what you created will be alive forever? And and you know, my dad's been a lot done a lot and seen a lot. And and, and I'm like, and I thought about it, and I called him later. I go, think about that. Forever. Ever is a long time, right? And you did that. And, and not that he needs, he knows what he did and didn't do. But my point is, my portion of it is, I wasn't as brilliant per se or, or, or whatever as my dad. I, he's the number one booker, even per Vince McMahon, Jerry Jarrett, any of those people say he's the number one booker. He's one of the number one talents to me. He was number one. Uh, I'm partial, though. But to sit there and live with a legend and, and, and be around a legend, then have the opportunity to be with guys like you that give a shit and to hand it back down. I could not be more honored to be on your show and do something like this, because no matter how many times people hit up this podcast episode, it will go down as long as this episode's on YouTube and the different things that happen. And it's not because of me. It's because you guys, JB, you guys reach out to me and you're allowing me to just love up on pro wrestling that fed me and fed my children. That's it. So FNA. Thank you guys man
1: no thank thank you like i said thank you for coming on thank you for agreeing to chat to us i mean eric freaking watts
2: yeah Yeah, man Um,
0: eric so are we to believe that um the mid-south um uh video library is actually one of them that vince mcmahon didn't get his hands on
2: no no well, no. Um, yeah, he got his hands on it like five years ago because, or it might have been longer. I, I remember going making the deal with my mom. This is what happened. Oh, well, okay. I got to be very careful with what I'm saying. Okay, sure. Let, sure. Let's, go that, let's go that route. Sure. There is a Mid-South uh, or Universal Wrestling Federation uh, website. So for those of the people that want to look at the history of it, go check it out. And there may be some products there. But Vince McMahon owns it, okay? But doesn't own that those websites, Universal Wrestling, Mid South Sports, uh, and I think it's Universal Wrestling Archives or Universal Wrestling. I should know this shit, um, but my brother's the one that uh, manages it. The, the The situation that happened to us and, and it was like a jab in our heart. So when we finally decided, how do we take all this wrestling we have? from the 70s all the way up, how do we archive it? So you guys may know, this may not, there were one-inch reels. There were three-quarter-inch reels. I mean, my dad was doing the interview uh, yesterday, and I forgot about it. Those reels were so effing expensive that they would send them out to TV stations, have them play them, send them back, and sometimes erase and re-record over them because they're so expensive. And then here's the difference. So if my dad was in 25 cities, uh, TD-wise, he had to send out 25 copies. And I remember because they'd come in these cases and most of the time you'd see like a Braniff Airlines sticker or a Delta or American American Airlines because they'd take them on the airlines and they'd send them over to these towns just in time for them to play them. Then those people would send them back. So you could imagine the cost. And, and, and that was one thing that blew me away was I would be there and sometimes, you know, the wrestling show would go and then you'd keep the guys afterwards to do the interviews. And when I say those interviews lasted 14, 18 hours straight sometimes because they had to do promos for every town for every fucking week. So if they did the TV today and they had 24 towns, that means – if he had five guys doing promos, take five times 24, that's, that, that's a hundred, you know, that's 120 something odd promos. So, and they had to be looped in and sent and done. And so there was a lot of stress on my brother and Jim Ross and the cover, you know, and adding in it's so different. So what ended up happening was, um, you know, Von Erich sold their library and then Vince didn't even research, didn't research it. And they found out that like 90% of his, uh, Library was in, a, uh, in an open-air barn. And so they went there and like 90% of the library was shit. We kept everything in air conditioning and this. So the problem was, is even though we kept it in the air conditioning, some of the stuff that we had from the 60s and 70s ha- somehow was getting like moisture and some mold. And so now we're trying to, A, we're trying to buy the machines to transfer it at that time to VHS, to VHS. And, and, and the, and the tape would break. And then he, and my brother's trying to boom the light, strip it of mold, Jesus Christ, we were buying. And then, and then, so then it got to Betamax machines, which were easier. But if I told you, we bought a hundred Betamax machines, we bought a hundred of them and they'd break and we take parts. And, 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 and so we're, we're just doing this Ted Turner even got involved because he loved our families, you know, so much now dad and Ted had a different relationship, but, but, but you know, Ted's like, let me see what I can do. So then Ted for a while, let us use his, um, facility. And and when I say like the, the suits, like you see NASA and shit, so our tapes had to come, they had to open them up. They had to fumigate them, did it. And still it took forever to do it because if it corrupted equipment and did this, cause the, this is a So now we're pushing it as fast as we can to VHS. And then what happens to VHS? It, Right, so now we're going to C- CD. So realistically, from what I understand, we had, and, and, and I could get Mike on here some other time if we do this. I don't know what we had two, three thousand hours of TV, and I think that over ten years we got like almost four hundred hours. And I remember going to my mom because my mom's like, "Here's the problem. It's not Vince's fault." He just takes and deals with what he wants to deal with. We want to archive this so that it's no one's choice. We want it as a free library out there. But it was costing us millions and millions of dollars to try to archive it. And we got to the point where we just could not continue to do it because we're selling DVDs and da-da-da. But if you're talking about millions and millions of dollars, and it just broke my mom's heart. And I said, Mom, we got to tap the fuck out. You know, cause here's the deal. I mean, it's up to Vince what he does and hopefully he will. And if he splices and use some and not some, he has the money to sit there and, and, and ar- archive or regenerate what he can get 10 times more than us. So what do we do? And it was a struggle. I mean, cause I'll tell you what, I, I called Vince myself he flew us out first class limos the old shit. And, uh, Jim Ross and 10 other people were there. And, He made an offer, and my mom, yeah, I remember going back to the airport. My mom was just in tears. And she's like, I got to hand this over not knowing what they're going to do. I go, here's the other option. What do we do?
3: Mm.
2: Like, we we have to wait every time we get $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 of sales to take that money just to put it right back in. And then we're doing it as fast as we can. We just can't fulfill the – because my brother would have to then sit there and take what he has on a hard drive. We had stacks of VHSs sending the bullshit to, to to one VHS. Then you had to take the VHS and hook it up because it wasn't digital like CDs. And then you had to have these mega stacks, hot as hell. And he, and he's going, bro. If you got an hour show and you're and you got twenty stacks, you can only make twenty videos. If you're selling the videos for twenty bucks, you're only talking about eight hundred bucks. So so if you're only making if you're only producing, let's say eight hundred bucks an hour for twenty four freaking hours a day how much are you bringing so so the so the arithmetic just killed it and it was heart-wrenching because you guys I don't know how well you read and, and, and studied this but the things my dad did no one did we had hours of Muhammad Ali Loved my father so much and then fell in love with my brother Joel that he even invited Joel to the house and said Joel You know, the mosque is a sacred ground of religion in which we can invite people into that don't have the faith. But what if I leave the door cracked? Could you videotape me praying? Guys, Wow, Muhammad (laughs) Ali praying in a mosque. We've had it. We have Jerry Reed. I don't know if you guys remember smoking the band at Jerry Reed. This Jerry Reed, Andre the Giant. We have all this behind, ZZ Top. We have all this behind the scene footage i mean and that some of that footage helped us out because people that were making movies or doing excerpts or doing an interview about andre the giant we we used to uh we used to do a lease agreement to where like if a, if a, if a movie studio if a movie, movie studio wanted 60 seconds of andre the giant we would lease it to him for a thousand dollars a second so we get sixty thousand dollars but that sounds like people are like oh my gosh no we were doing it to put back in the equipment and, and so we were running on a, uh, we were like rats on a treadmill and we couldn't produce it fast enough. Cause I mean, how embarrassing if we had three or 4,000 hours and we were, only got like 400 hours in, in like 10 years. And I, and so I don't know, cause when, when Vince and them bought all that stuff um, you know, it was U-Hauls and, and because we kept it as pristine as we could, you know, there was a pro wrestling movie called wrestling queen. And so that's the only thing we didn't sell library wise to Vince was wrestling queen but he got, he got all the UWF, Mid-South Sports, and some of the Texas organizations in which we did some stuff for.
0: Yeah, right. I recently watched um, on the network, it was your dad and um Junkyard Dog when he was under the mask. Yeah. Against the Midnight Express, I think. Stagger Lee. So, yeah, Stagger Lee. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Is it so,
2: Stagger Lee? And those T-shirts, we still were so hot. It said Stagger Lee or JYD. JYD, yeah, on the yeah. front. Yeah
0: yeah, yeah man. and yeah. so that was on the network that's on the wwe network so there is some stuff um yeah on no, there you know no there, there is says, some yeah, yeah. um but, yeah. you know what what you know how they're putting it up there or how much is going to go up there or whatever like you say um only time will will tell
2: you're 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 100 right you know so again yeah i mean even listening to my dad the other day there's just so many stories i've don't know about, can't remember. I, I can't tell you how many times I ran into people like Macho Man or Shawn Michaels or whomever. And they pull me aside and go, Let me tell you about your father and the only reason we're in wrestling. And then he's telling me these stories that I'd heard, but my dad never told me. I just heard that my dad did this and did not do it. And to hear those stories coming from the horse's mouth was amazing. And then I give dad, and he's like, Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's what I did. I, it just did. It, 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 I remember when I came to Georgia to do WCW, my dad was down here and so was Dusty Rhodes. And my dad would say, hey, son, you got, you know, your day off coming up. Yeah, because let's go have some beers and watch some football with, with the dream. So we go to the dream's house. Forget it. Forget it. I mean, I wish I, I, wish I had a camera. I, as soon as we stepped in, they're popping beers. They're having a shot. They're drinking while on the back de- deck. And for the next six hours, I don't know how much football we heard. If I had the stories they told, it's done. It's over. And not because of money, Ethic. I just wish people could hear the stories a thousand times over. The coolest stuff you've ever heard in your life. See, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, your dad
0: really did pioneer that kind of episodic weekly TV kind of thing that we become to know as wrestling now, you know, that the, the storylines on a weekly basis, you know, that was, that was Cowboy Bill Watts. That
2: was, it, it was amazing. Even the names, even the people he put together, the tags he put together. Now, listen, and the crazy thing about my dad, he gives Cornette and Crockett, and no, not Cornette at the time, Crockett and Jarrett and, and, and Ganyas and, 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 and all those. He gives all those people the respect. He, in, in no way does he say, oh, no, I did it on my own. Like he did, like he was talking yesterday about the fact that, you know, when Vince Sr. would call him. Because I remember, I remember the first time I met Vince McMahon that you guys know. I was probably eight years old and my dad did as a favor to Vince Senior to bring him down so he could introduce matches on RTV. That's how I met Vince, the guy I worked for. He was like, hey, Bill, would you do me a favor? Bill, sure. You know, my dad was talking about the other day. Vince would go, hey, I heard you got some hot guys. Can I have them for a month? My dad would go, okay, what do I get? Well, you can keep Andre for another week. Well, my dad was like, okay, well, that's another week of sellouts. So sure, keep those guys for a month. You know, he said that back then you worked with people. And and Vince's dad would sit there and say, you're the easiest promoter to work with, Bill. And and, and Vince's dad would say my dad was the most brilliant promoter. But my dad goes, I wasn't easy. I understood business. Like like when they, when they asked him questions the other day, my dad was the first and only guy really to jump out of the NWA. And my dad was talking about the fact that when he jumped out of the NWA, the organization he was doing it strategically for the nwa so that everyone was in the same organization and then he goes into the gotchas and those people finally got it and made my dad supposedly a genius well no he was just a genius he understood business i guess you know so so he did it but um you know just just going through some of the, the conversations and the talks and and how things happening happened are just baffling i mean i mean even the desegregationists of seats in, in, in New Orleans, you know, I mean, way back when my dad got there, you know, if you're black, you could not sit anywhere, but general mission. And then my dad's the guy that had the first black champion. And then we came to WCW, Ron Simmons was the next first black champion, not because of anything else. My dad understood. He he understands race, religion. His best friend was Ernie Ladd. And as a matter of fact, the interview he did the other day, he goes, Ernie Ladd was my best friend. And I'm glad I had him, but he was harder on athletes than I was. And the guy goes, what do you mean? He goes, he knew it was such an honor for these black athletes to, 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 to have an open opportunity in Mid-South. He as a coach and mentor was tougher on them than my dad could be. My dad was the toughest SOB in the world. So I don't know what he was talking about. But that friendship and all that was so freaking amazing, man. When we, I, remember, I remember when we'd walk into New Orleans after matches sometimes, we'd have to have security around us because several times someone tried to abduct my brother or my sister on, on Bourbon Street, uh, uh, knowing that we, that we were Cowboy Bill Watts' kids. So they would try to like grab us or do some stuff. And my dad would do it. And my dad, my dad if you're so worried about it, because I'm not worried about it. I'm worried about the people who come to abduct you. Because I got enough people around us, they're gonna die. And I'm like, okay, well, that's serious, let's do that. And um, he's like, he's like, here's the deal, man. Who makes us? I'll go, the people. He goes, and I'm not gonna walk in their streets because some idiots. I'm not scared of no one. I just don't have enough fist to take care of it. So I'll just hire some people around us. But I'm not gonna not be able to walk in the streets with the people that make us. And man. I remember there's these, take, there's, you know, Bourbon Street's mad with bars and stuff. And we're talking about me and my sisters and brothers being two, four, six, eight, whatever it was. And I don't know, we went through this phase where I loved egg rolls and there's these places called takey Audi, And almost every block, there'd be a takey And it was just, a, you could get whatever Chinese food you want, but you could get this like seven or eight inch egg roll. That was incredible. And, and my dad, and and then they had these Coke, they had these Coke paper containers that were 32 ounce beers. And so my dad's like, every, every block we go, I'm getting your an Negro and I'm getting a beer. And so we would do that. And, and sometimes if the security wasn't watching then someone would try to nab one of us occasionally once blue moon. And, um, but my dad was like, you know, this, you know, you've got to show your face and not be feared of any threats, you know? And a lot of people don't know this. I mean, You know, towards, you know, even at 13, 14, we had 24-hour security. We had bomb threats. Um, One guy got through most of our security and into the house. My dad got that. And instead of killing that guy, um, because our maid was there, uh, she said, I I can't watch you kill him. I had a gun on him. My dad had a gun on him. And and that guy went to prison. Um, Several times we were shot at going to school. Several times, odd people trying to check us out of school. So people go you know, wow, no, there's a whole, there's like a whole life story of it, and the crazy thing about it is, we never took it as a different day, I mean, I remember my little brother, because at our house, we had these big phones, we had like seven lines, so one was a house line, every kid, there's four kids, had a line, and there's some other lines, and, um, and I remember, I was probably about 12, so Michael was probably about 10 and a half, and I hear him going, really mother you know you sound like a pussy you know, a p word you know what the fuck if you really want to threaten us show them up and then and then and then the guy hangs up and michael hangs up and just starts laughing i go what's that he goes oh you know another one of those guys calling saying he's gonna they're gonna kill us we're gonna bomb our house and shit i'm like looking at my brother going so you just decided to piss him off he's like no it just pisses me off why do people want to hide let's shoot this shit out i'm like <laughs> and so you know but we we had like in our house a lot of people don't know like my, my my sister uh my baby baby beautiful little sister um uh she had a tommy gun so if if our house our house we had racquetball courts and stuff like that and we're in the country so if anything tripped about five acres of land would have floodlights on it and and my my sister had a place under the grand piano where she was at my dad had a place micah had a place my brother had a place I jetted out the back to dust people off through the creek to kill people. So, you know, FBI, CIA, we had all kinds of stuff of training only because my dad was out there doing what he loved and, and he would take over these territories sometimes. And, and people didn't say, hey, why'd you take over the territory? They, you know, they, they'd come out to kill us instead, which is, which we never had time to understand. But dad's like, this is the way it is. That's is what's happening. And um, the only time, one time, it freaked me out. Is uh, is the the house goes off? I'm jetting out. Sisters hitting, everyone's hitting their spots, and 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 I, I trail everything. And so the cops, you know, because we had a we had a cop that stayed 24 hours, or you know, you know, in an area, we sweep the place, and um, we come back, and it was just a lucky shot, you know, from the road, which is about. 300 feet from our house, a guy had a sniper and sniped it. Well, we had these glass doors, these 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 uh, mahogany or whatever oak doors that had these small glass panes. And my mom, my mom was out of town. My dad was in town, and my baby sister was probably at the times like five or six, stayed with my dad that night, you know. And um, and the shot went through the door, was triggered the alarm. And this, this idiot doesn't know. And it actually went through the sheetrock and and lodged in the head of the bed, in which my dad bought the bed from Gone with the Wind movie, lodged into the back of it. Well, after an hour or so, here's the cops. And I remember I'm sitting there with the couch and they said, give me your gun. I go, no, fuck you. And then my dad's like, no, give me the gun. I go, no. Well, it wasn't because I was trying to be disrespectful. I could not open the grip on my handle. I was so petrified that that because that's the way we were raised. If someone's trying to kill me, I I wasn't going to let you give me, take my gun away in case someone came in. And we had cops everywhere at the house and I just didn't trust anyone. Right. And then they looked at it and that night, because they did the thing and they they looked at how it came through and they're like, Bill, they pulled the bed and the, the slug was in the headboard where exactly my dad and sister were uh, we're at. So, I mean, had it made through the headboard, it might've clipped one of them. I don't know. But, um, so when you talk about wrestling and the love of wrestling and things that happened, um, we lived it, breathed it, and it was our lives. And, and, and the funny thing about it is so many kids at, at school would say, we didn't, yes, we knew your dad was famous, but we didn't know any different. You guys didn't act famous. You know, like when, when you went to my, when I went to my high school, I left the keys in my car. And so lunchtime would come and I lived in a country, you know, I mean, it was a, a lot of kids at school, but very country. I'd go out to see if my car was there because anyone would just jump in any car and take it to lunch. So th- I can't tell you how many times I would go to lunch and someone would be driving my Trans Am and I'd go, hey, guys, like I love your car. I'm like, I love you, too. You know, oh. and it, it, it was that open right country. Right. And, and so we even had a gas pump hidden at our house. So that if kids were over or people were over or any of our cars needed gas, we wouldn't have to go to the gas station five miles in the ha- in town. And people were like, "God, you know, when we come over, my dad will go fill everyone's cars up and so 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 we are just we were just real people. Everyone knew my dad as Cowboy or Bill, and my dad had nicknames for everyone. And kids came over all the time, and he, we had a Junior Olympic swimming pool, which my mom designed in the shape of a cowboy hat with a huge kiddie pool and all that. But people, people, when they came over, we, we didn't put on our pants on any different, put, put that way, right? And um, at, but at the same time, I had all this incredible stuff happen to me. Uh, you know, we, 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 had this, you know, this, this beautiful house and racquetball courts and this huge, you know, we called it a sandbox, but it was probably the half the size of a football field because my dad wanted sand so he could train us through the ropes and things for football and basketball he was brutal my dad was brutal um i, t- I tell people he's the greatest promoter greatest wrestler wasn't always the greatest father but but not like that i mean like he was just he was just tough right uh and i loved every second of it but he also we also had like a 3,000 square foot gym where my dad built for him to work out across from the pool and I, I remember him waking me up one day one morning about three in the morning he goes get up and i had about four or five friends over and we jump up you know, we're like, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. He goes, I got the next stud. Because my dad would recruit people. And I'm like, yes, sir. And he goes, get your ass over here on the pinball machine. Put your arm up. And I'm like, yes, sir. He goes, arm wrestle him. He's a Florida state champion. I go, yes, sir. And I put my arm up. And, you know, this guy just, I I thought he broke the pinball machine. I I swear to God, I need Tommy John surgery on my elbow. I mean, he ripped my freaking elbow out. And I was, I I was literally, I had tears in my eyes because he just, just punished me. And everyone, they were drunk and having a good time. And I'm like, "Uh, Oh, um, sir, what's your name? And he goes, my name's Paul Orndorff. Glad to meet you. I mean, I mean, I, I I mean, are you following me? Like, like the first time I met JYD, my dad's like, Son, I got to introduce you to the greatest because we saw a videotape. My dad, because he would get all of us kids together, my mom and everyone, and he'd take videotapes of tryouts. Because I guess my sister, there's there's three brothers of different age, my mom. So that was his audience to kind of see how we thought about athletes. And I remember the first time he put it in, he goes, Check out this athlete. And we saw him pigeon toed, different looking, you know, almost like pot belly, but like a power lifter. And, and, and we watched him work out and we're like, that guy has got charisma out of his ears. He goes, I'm cursed. I'm like, what, dad? He goes, Well, think about it. This guy is awesome. And he goes, guess what his name is? Well, we're sitting there thinking, you know, whatever. He goes, Sylvester Ritter. I go, that guy's name is Sylvester Ritter. And we were like <laughs> busting ass laughing. And and you know, it, which became Junkyard Dog, which which gave me my 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 nickname and And me, JYD, uh, Butch Reed, Van Hammer were on a show in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, And then JYD looked at me and he's like, Slim, I never gave you nothing. I go, sir, you gave my family everything. And he's like, I want to give you something. He gave me his boots. He goes, I want you to have my boots. I bought two pairs of boots because this means a lot to me. We're not on the road all the time anymore because, you know, you're traveling, I'm traveling. He goes, let's get together when I get back in town. I said, okay. Now, he drove with me from Atlanta. All those guys drove with me in Atlanta. Well, I dropped him off because he was going to his daughter's graduation in Louisiana. And I dropped him off and go, dog, is that the Mercedes my dad gave you as a bonus in like 87? He goes, that's Betsy. I go, you still have Betsy? You know, it was a 450 SEL Mercedes. He goes, 400,000 miles and never give me a problem. That night, I dropped him off. He drove to his daughter's graduation. I was supposed to be with him the next night. He fell asleep and died driving off the road that night, coming back in that Mercedes. So I, you, know, I, I, you guys haven't been able to talk much, I, I'm telling you. So th- that's how crazy my life is, but that's how blessed my life is
0: we don't need to talk this is <laughs> fucking great man you do doing... honestly eric like this is cool we love it when when we have guests like yourself because you know we're just a couple of fucking jabronis who just love wrestling and like the fact that we can just listen and take this stuff in and like you say this is like a a digital history document you know these um these interviews with with people like yourself about you know stuff that your dad's done people that you know this stuff is literally it needs to be preserved and the fact that we can just sit back and and listen is fucking incredible man we just love it
2: it's it again i mean it, it you know the sad thing is, I could do these every day, and I and I can't, you know. And 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 sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll decide, hey, I'll take on three or four or five this week or this month or whatever. And I wish that all I could do every day is do this. I really do. Um, Vince Russo um, got hold of me yesterday. He's been trying to get a hold of me, and I love Vince. Um, it was mine and his collaboration that gave me my run in TNA, which was actually my favorite time of pro wrestling. And um, he, and I guess he does a podcast network where he's got like 18, 20 talent. And he's like, 6'6 uh, six, six and Dreamy. And I said, yeah, Vincey Vince. He said, um, bro, why haven't you done a podcast? I said, bro, why haven't you called me? He goes, well, I had my people reach out. I said, what did my people tell you? Well, bro, they said that I could go F myself because if I can't pick up the phone, then you don't want to talk to me. I said, yeah. And we were laughing. I said, bro, you know, I was just giving you shit because I know I'm just so busy. I go, well, then I'm not, I'm, you're not that interested. He goes, Eric, I've always loved you, interested, you know, blah, blah, So we talked yesterday. So I'm going to jump on his show Friday. And now he wants me to do a show on his network, per se, and do things. And I, I can hardly wait just to relive some of the stories because I started telling him. He's like, bro, I didn't even remember that. And I'm like, yeah. So, you know, he said, you know, you're so different, Eric that I think will do very well. I said, I don't know, but I also have different, I also have different ideas, right? Because I've always thought different, you know? And uh, one thing that I'm going to tell him Friday is I think that I want to recontact some podcasters and in, in other places. And I want to maybe interview other podcasters in other countries. Like, you know, maybe you guys, uh, there was a very talented guy. There was a very talented kid that I'm going to have to find out in Australia. And he did this interview on me. And, I, and he said, would you give me three, day, two, day, two days? I swear to God, we did four hours a night for two days. And uh, I've never been, I, I've never had someone so thoroughly walk me through my career. It was the craziest shit ever. And, and so, so like my dad said the other day to the person that was doing the podcast about Mid-South, he goes, you've done such a thorough job. Uh, uh, you know, I'm doing this for my son, but I really enjoyed it, which meant the world to me. And uh, but you not everybody, not everybody, but there's people, there's there, there's some people that are just wannabes or whatever, but there's literally people that love, eat it, breathe it. And uh it's an honor. Well, you know, I was thinking the other day about it, I'm like, man, you know, something I'm gonna bring up the Vince Friday is, you know, there's been probably eight, ten podcasters that 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 have left a mark in my brain, minus the people I want on. I would like to reverse podcasts with people and, and, and multi-produced shows because 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 what because what if what if people in america caught on to your show because you were on my show or vice versa. Who cares if your love is pro-wrestling?
0: Yeah.
1: Absolutely that's, right. That's I mean and I can I can already see your your mind is your mind is working it, it seems like it's always ticking and that's I mean that's incredible.
2: Yeah. So if you guys ever have any hard hitting questions, man, let's let's rock and let's do this. Well, I mean, it, it would be
0: it would be stupid of us to have you on. And and like you said with the other guys who are kind of walking you through your career. I mean okay. th- this is this is what we kind of we, we try and do on our show. You know, we try and lead you guys to kind of talk about what you want to talk about because we don't okay. really there there are a lot of podcasters like we'll be we'll be fucking a hundred percent honest all the time There are a lot of podcasters who will literally like look for kind of the controversial shit you know right, kind right, of right like they're always looking to dig up some kind of oh so and so said this or this or yeah, yeah. what do you think of such and such and such and such and you yeah. know <laughs> excuse me maybe we will mention Lex Luger uh, you know or maybe we won't you know but right. it's like it's one of those things where we kind of let you guys do the
2: talking so we you know we that's it. that's good. No, that, that, no that's good as well and and I've got so many stories I can keep on going. And but you know, feel free. You know, the Lex or the Jarrett's or the whatever. You know, you know, it's good what you're doing because a lot of times I'll do podcasts. I'm like, is there another? Is there not another question? But but I have to keep myself humble because not everyone has the same audience. Not even close. Mm-hmm. So I might get tired. I mean, I thought about a uh, uh, DDP. Um, is one of my best friends. Matter of fact, this is DDPY. Yeah, And 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 we do a lot. I I, I've got a uh, (laughs) I've got a merchant processing company that does credit cards for companies. You know, and he's one of my clients, and but he's also one of my best friends, if not best friend, right? And um, and when we were talking about it, and I'm like, you know, DD, isn't it crazy that we've got to stay humble? And he's like, no, it's not great. I mean, that's what, what we're supposed to do. And I go, I know, but think about it. Sometimes, do you, do you hear a podcast and they ask the same question? He's like, yeah. And, and uh, he goes, but I'm gonna answer it. I said, I am too. I go, why? He goes, because it might be new to the less. And I said, that's it. Whereas I know a lot of guys go, I don't want to do this podcast because they ask the same questions. I'm like, you, you're not getting it, right? Because, you know, the one thing I've never done, I, I've never said, hey, prove, prove how big your audience is. Right. Because I might have a person that they just started or I might have a person that is huge. Right. I mean, like like when DDP goes on Joe Rogan, we know it's all one of the top 10 podcasts in, in the world. Right. We don't ask to qualify. But me and D.D. And, and the people that I, you know, that I'm close to, I don't get tired of the questions because I don't know who your audience is. And I wouldn't want to disrespect you and your audience by not answering it. So, you know, like Lex Lugers and Jarrett's, I'm good with that, too. Um, you said you're a huge TNA fan. If you want to know something about TNA or WCW, I'm good there too. If you want to let me ramble, uh, I've got my. It's early for Christmas, but I've got my my Christmas <laughs> wine glass, wine. which I'm not big into wine. But I ran out of my vodka, so I thought I'd have some wine on your show. Oh, that that's Santa's, and so I feel very feminine about this. I think I got <laughs> like yeah, I, I think I've got like a yeast infection right now, and so <laughs> but, but I'm having
0: some wine on your show. Oh good, you know. <laughs> We, we you know we we are ha- we are happy to let you um talk about stuff but i mean we will we can we can start at the beginning um okay. you know so obviously it would be a stupid question to ask why or how or when did you get into the wrestling business you were you fucking born into it so um well, but, 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 okay so so let me say this without going
2: too deep yes and no okay right. so here's my mom she comes from a successful family in Estonia, but she was three or four years old when, at her point, when they had to escape, so she wasn't but eleven or twelve when she made to or ten or whatever when she made to America. So, when you are bartering to get here, you have nothing. You have nothing. So she she became she became she went from wealthy to poor. Um, thank God. I mean, it, you know, she, she landed in Oklahoma because a church. Decided to sponsor the whole family, um, but still, you come to Oklahoma. My mom spoke uh, eleven languages, but redneck was not one of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, you know, it's like who's this hot chick that you know you know speaks all these languages? Um, so, so she then came over, because they immediately had to make money, she was cleaning houses and building to school and doing whatever she can. Then, but then she became a model, and, and there was a thing called American Bandstand. She's Miss American Bandstand. She's this. So, without getting too crazy, that's how my mom and dad reconnected. My dad went to the University of Oklahoma. Then he went to, to the Houston, um, uh, the te- uh, Houston uh, Texas uh, Houston Texan team. The coach called him fat because back then, if you were over 220 as a lineman, my dad was 300, you're fat, even if you weren't. So, he knocked that guy out. So, then they traded him to Minnesota Vikings. Well, Minnesota Vikings, in Minnesota, there was a guy that heard about this athlete that was a great amateur wrestler and a great football player, and that guy's name was Vern Gagne. So Vern Gagne approached my dad at the Minnesota Vikings and says, hey, kid, I want to talk to you. He's like, sure. Well, people think the NFL has always been the NFL. It hasn't. I, I don't remember my, dad's, my my dad's contract was like, I don't know. $20,000, $30,000, but then no, that's back in the ice age, right? But still it was only, 20. so most of your pro football players went back and, and were, you know, uh, grocery store attendants or worked at, uh, doing oil changes and shit. You know, no one was making so much money that they just could just could play football. So my dad decided to pick up pro wrestling in Minnesota and then the Minnesota Vikings found out and they pulled him in before the season said, Hey, we got to talk to you. He's like, okay, and they go, we don't want you to pro-wrestle and play pro-football. He goes, well, I made more money in three months pro-wrestling than you pay me a year, so go fuck yourself. And that's how my dad started pro-wrestling. But that's also why there's a lot of pro-football players that ended up pro-wrestling because the connection with my dad earning a cat lad and a lot of those people, my dad had met pro-football and brought those people because my dad cared more about being an athlete. All right, so if, you're, if you if you bring that together – my mom so my dad left his junior year before getting before his senior year, he left oklahoma to go pro so my dad didn't have a degree my mom didn't have a degree so now fast forward to the von ericks that were great friends of ours the the dusty roads the grams the ganyas and guess what none of those people had college degrees so my mom was like hey listen You know, I believe we're going to do good in wrestling, but what, what legacy are we going to build? Let's say, let's say we don't do good pro wrestling and then everyone has to go find work. A resume that you pro wrestle is going to get you a job nowhere. I, and I remember, I will not let my kids even in the ring if they don't have a degree. So that's the difference. Did I set up rings? Yes. Did I sell merchandise? Yes. Did I do the lights on TV? Yes. Did I do music? Yes. Did I do security? Yes. Did I shuttle guys between Oklahoma City and Tulsa when we ran double shots on Sunday? Yes. 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 I did everything from the bottom to the freaking top. Yes. But when I decided to pro-wrestle, I'd never been in a wrestling ring. Never. I'd never been not not even in a ring. It was uh, unallowed. And what most people don't know is I was I was nine hours away from my master's juris doctorate in college. I decided not to go pro football, which I was not going to be a top round guy. I was going to be a lower round guy, but I thought I could make it and I decided to pro wrestle. But here, here's what happened was I, I called my dad and said, hey, dad, I got my first degree a year ago. Can I is there someone, you know, so I could just see what it's like to be in a ring. That's how this all happened. My dad said yes. Jody Hamilton, in Atlanta, would probably let you come work out. I worked out 23 days and then uh Dusty Rhodes called me and said, Hey, I know you're on your way back to Louisville, to finish your classes. Would you wrestle in Franklin, Tennessee? I said, sure I would. You know, I was freaked out, but I said yes. I wrestled there. Grizzly Smith said, Hey, call Dusty. He wants to talk to you. Dusty said, How'd you like it? I go, I absolutely loved it. And there's, there's stories behind stories there that are just hilarious. So piss yourself because the crazy shit that happened there. And so he goes, Would you do Chattanooga? I said, Yeah, I'll do Chattanooga. Then the next night he goes, Hey, do you want to do Nashville, which is on your way to Louisville? I said, Yes, sir. I did that. After that, in Grizzly, every night I would say, Hey, call, call Dusty. So I thought Dusty was going to go, Hey, man, get a hold of me when you get back out of graduate school. And Dream goes, what was it like? I go, what do you mean, Dream? He goes, what was it like to be in the ring? I go, sir, I have played football on ESPN. I've been the starting quarterback in front of 110,000 people at Ohio State on ESPN. I played Syracuse in the Coca-Cola Classic in Tokyo Dome. I mean, literally in college, played football in Tokyo against Syracuse, right? I said, I have been on the largest sets. I've never felt shit like this. I just have. I haven't. You're so close to the fans. You're so raw. You're. This. I said, I've never felt anything like it. He goes, you are screwed. I go, sir? <laughs> he goes, you're screwed. I go, what do you mean? He goes, that's exactly what I felt the first time I wrestled. I said, sir? He said, have your ass back in Atlanta tomorrow. You don't need your degree. I said, sir, I'm going to do my degree. He goes, Know the fuck you're not. I go, sir. He goes. I got a contract. Your fourth match ever after 23 days of training is going to be on Saturday Night Live, WCW. And so I had to remember that because you know I'd see myself wrestle sometimes. Like God, you know. I mean, you know, I got a lot to learn, a lot to learn. And then I, and then it hit me. Shit, my 27th time in the ring, 28th time in the ring was. On national TV, and then I look back at those matches and go, "No, that kid. That kid was talented. He had a lot to learn, but that kid was talented." Because how many people have twenty eight days in a row to work out and they're and, and they're on national TV? Now some people go, "Well, because your dad." No, I don't give a shit who my dad was. No, I don't. No one, no one has their twenty eighth day. I I I had potential, but my potential. I have to say though, what probably helped me is seeing so much wrestling. But man, my 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 brain was trying to to uh, my brain was trying to connect it because I, calling moves and knowing every move and speaking carney and all the different things you're trying to learn. My like I knew what I wanted to do, but but shit, it took a second, right? And so, but but when you're on TV or even in a live match. You may know what you want, but how do you speak that? And how do you say, so, so I put a lot of pressure on myself. It was very, very, very tough, but realistically, you know, people would think, okay, this is what happens. This is what happened. No, this is not what happens, you know, because what, what, what would have happened is my dad would have started me refereeing about 15 or 16, like everyone else did. And I would have done in the summers, I would have done this bullshit. And then my dad would have let me have a match or two my senior year in high school and then if I wanted to play college ball, he still would have booked me on the summers when I wasn't playing college ball so that he built a legacy. So that as soon as I came out, I was already a stud. that didn't happen to my family. So it was completely different, completely different upbringing. And, um, and I'm thankful for it, you know, I'm thankful
3: for it.
0: Would, would you say, I mean, I watched another match a WCW match. It was you uh, versus Michael PS Hayes. And it was on WCW. And Jake the Snake Roberts was the commentator on on that too. And he said something quite interesting. Like he said, um, you know, that you might have a tough time. And this is like, you know, on on TV said, you might have a tough time because of who your dad is. So it might not have actually... Maybe worked in your favor the fact that your dad was cowboy Bill Watts. Maybe, you know, in a way it was fucking tougher for you because, you know, it, <sighs> he says it something like no, the sins of the father yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, no. J- J- Jake's so deep,
2: right? Yeah. So, so to put, let's put that in perspective, right? I mean, it gives me chill bumps. You said that because I didn't know that. Okay. So here's the issue he's exactly right. <clears throat> the heat and the problems I had in the dressing room were amazing um, to the point where all the jokes and shit went too far. Um, I, I even one time and sting lost his shit, sting lost his shit. One night, probably a year in, I go to put my, my boots on and, and, and I cut, I cut my right foot because someone had crushed glass and put them in my boots. Um, I can't – I'm not even going to start telling you about the ribs that were pulled on me. The difference was when, when back in the day you were a rookie for three years, so I said yes or no, sir, yes or no, sir. So that's when kind of there's some rumors about me and Rick Rude um, having an altercation. Well, here's the issue. I was an out-of-the-sorts amateur wrestler forever. So I could handle myself, but I was a cornerback. So people are like, oh, you know, I don't know if he's tough. So um, when the rude thing happened and I dusted his ass, and no disrespect, because it actually, it actually helped me huge because there were so many people that wanted to see my ass get kicked. And when it didn't happen, by one of the toughest guys in the locker room, people didn't have anything to say. And then rude went out of his way to start, like, mentoring me. Now, rude for a long time was a person that was throwing shit on me, but everyone was. The difference was this. Those small people, they might be big in pro wrestling, so I'm not going to name any names. But those small-minded people that never went to college, don't have a degree, were bodybuilding, whatever they're doing to get into pro wrestling, and they want to judge me. I I, I was, like, laughing. I'm thinking – What did you guys do to get in pro wrestling work out? Know somebody have a different look, you know? So what did you do? You, you didn't, you didn't graduate with honors out of high school. You weren't a three sport letterman. You didn't kick ass in football. You didn't do shit. So there's a different way to look at it. There was a different way to look at it. Right. I had my way. They had theirs. So these little people, as famous as they are, I was like, they don't get it. And they don't bother me, but it was brutal. There's guys in my car going, Eric, how do you take it? I go, because I don't I don't listen to it. Of course I heard it. Of course. But I wasn't gonna listen to it. You know, so so it was absolutely awful. And I felt horrible for the fans because sometimes the smart marks got involved or the sheets got involved and they would put sheets down or they'd make signs of me because they wanted to write it in the sheets. So the sheets, the melters and the people wanted to make money off of it. I got you. You small people, write your shit. But the the, the deal was it wasn't, it wasn't going to take me down. And I think Jake, because I'll tell you a crazy story. So here's Jake Roberts. I don't know how old I was. And so I was at a lot of the matches when I could be. Well, Jake took to me. I don't know why. And a lot of guys did. Sting and a lot of guys. Uh, Rick Steiner, a lot of guys did. Uh, Terry Taylor, a lot of guys did. And um, Jake, I remember, was in Tulsa. And he basically told me that he's too tall, too skinny, and not an athlete to be in the business. And that if his dad wasn't Grizzly Smith, he wouldn't have a shot in Mid-South. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Okay, but it sounds right. So when we come to Tulsa every two weeks, we talk. And so one day, I can't remember how long this was. He goes, watch this. I've got this move. I'm going to put a guy's head over here. And I'm going to drop down. And I'm going to call it a DDT because DDT is like a poison that can kill you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. And sure shit, he does it. And of course, no one knew what he did. I mean, it almost looked like a, just to be honest with you, it almost looked like a missed spot. You know, you, you just grab a guy's head and you hit, and all, because they're used to like power slams and, and brain busters, and, you know, they were. And yeah. the fans kind of go, Pff. Jake didn't care. So he comes back, he goes, see you in two weeks. Now think about this, right? So now you do a TV in two weeks. So it's not like there's TV every week. You do that. So, he comes back. He goes, this is going to be a big move. I'm going to start doing this. Now, I go, what is that? And he goes, that's a D. That's a D. And this is a T. I'm like, what? He goes, I'm going to signal my move. Now, I'm also thinking that my dad was not big into people knowing a finish is going to happen. not So, I was like, ooh, this might be an issue. Well, D... Well, the people still didn't know. This was the second time they saw it. Boom, boom. He does it. Now, I'm watching. Now, think about this. I'm 12, 13 years old. Jay comes back. What would you think? I go, it's interesting. Like, I liked it. You know, I don't want I don't to say. So, then it comes back another two weeks. And he goes, boom, boom, boom. And this happened for like three months. Within about three months, he's doing this. And the people are going ape shit because they know what's going to happen. I'm going, this guy's a genius. So he came up to me, goes, I'm going to lose the match tonight. I go, okay. He goes, I'm going to signal DDT. I'm going to have the guy reverse it on me and beat me, which didn't mean he was going to do that. My dad probably said, you're losing, and then, you know, whatever, but whatever, and I don't give a shit how it happened. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if that's going to be good, (laughs) you know, and we'll see some boom, boom, boom. Fans go crazy. Bam, reverse, boom. The people lost their crackers. They didn't know what to say. I'm like, this guy is a mental genius. And so here I am, and it was almost like he treated me like I was best friend. Now, maybe you didn't know anyone to talk to. Maybe you talked to everyone. I don't know who the hell, right? So Jake and I have always had a um, a decent relationship. The last five years. I've been around Jake. It's not been good because he's, I don't know what happened, but he's like ultra mad at my father for, you know, I don't know what the hell he's mad about. So he he talks shit, which has put me in a situation occasionally where I go, okay, I may knock the guy out, but I, you know, I'm going to blow it off Uh, out of respect, but man, don't disrespect my father, but whatever, you know, because he was your boss. So you're not disrespecting my father. You're disrespecting your father. You know, so I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know exactly what happened there, but watching how genius he was And so I think that what you're talking about is he is so intellectual. He knew the shit I was going to go through and he said it on live TV. And and I gotta be honest with you. I never knew he said it, but, but you know what? He was foreshadowing and his foreshadowing was dead on. And it means a lot to me that you told me this because I didn't know. And it gives me more respect for him. Well, not more respect. I only get upset when he's like going out of his way, you know, like even Dallas, Two years ago, uh, Jake was saying something, and Dallas goes, shut up. He goes, do you, not, do, you, do you not get the position you're putting him in? A, Eric would bury you 10 feet deep to beat you to death. So, so Eric is, is – Eric's a bigger guy than you because in two seconds he'll kill you. So he lets you do it, but I can tell it's getting at his nerves. And Dallas was right, but I wouldn't have said anything. But Dallas was right. I'm like, I'm like thank God Dallas said something. because you need to shut the fuck up. And then this is about when, this is about, this is like three months after Jake had done, or, or Dallas did the resurrection of Jake, and it was clean. And he was still saying it, you know? And, and, and Dallas goes shit. And so I haven't been around him as much, but Jake is always, 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 minus saying something about my dad. Jake has always been kind to me. He's been nice to me. He's been loving to me. Um, when it came to WCW, uh, he pulled a rib on me but it was actually a really good rib you know, for the boys. I had this uh, Tumi luggage. In America, Tumi luggage is you know, very good luggage, right? Bulletproof material, zippers that will last. And I had this thing called a body bag. And so it was a big bag that you could put like 10 days of clothes in and, and, and all this other stuff. I don't even know if they'd let it on an airplane now. And um, Jake come from w, uh, WWF at the time. And he was main event and they actually had me and Jake Roberts main event. So, of course, I, I see him and I haven't seen him forever. And he hugs me, takes me into the shower area where he has the uh, snake. And it was a brand new snake. And, and so a lot of times when Jake had a new snake, the first thing he'd do is he'd throw it in the shower, throw cold water on it and kick it and hit it until it bit him. And then he'd have like a butter knife and pull the fucking mouth off of him he said until they bite you they won't respect you and you got to get them off your i'm like that's the craziest shit i've ever seen so yeah so here's this yeah it was like a it was, it was almost like an albino yellow white python they got him and it was big as hell i'm like that's the craziest shit i've ever seen so so he said hey kid let's go in here you know the, you know they want me just to drown you you know i'm one of the t- you know i'm coming from wwe he goes but no, no way let's go out there and have a good match I'm like, whatever you want. Drown me, not drown me. Because my respect is I'm supposed to do whatever the the company wants. So we go out there and have a phenomenal match. And, of course, Jake, you know, DETs me. And then here's the snake. And they pull the snake. And then he puts it in the bag. And he walks it back. So I'm laying in the ring for, you know, 10 minutes, it seems like, right, you know, to get the fuck out and go. So when I come back out, as soon as I get in the locker room, all the guys are, like, clapping. And Jake hugs me. And Jake goes, Man, I haven't seen you in forever, but you know, how long you been doing this? I go, about a year. And he goes, nah, bullshit. I go, Jake, I've been doing it. And he goes, You've got a future. And I'm like, okay. So I'm not thinking Jake, because Jake is so funny and he pulls ribs and he's a funny fucker. So I go and and so here's the body bag. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pull my shit off. I'm going to grab my flip flops. I'm going to grab my towel. I'm going to go to the shower. And so I pull my shit off and I reach in to get my, my shit. Well, my bag was just my bag. I go in there and I feel the biggest, coldest, like it was the fucking Python was in my bag. He'd stuffed the Python on my bag and thank God the Python must've been there for a little bit. And my bag was so dark. It was asleep. When I say, I think I pissed myself. I jumped so high. I'm like, what? And Jake and all the people pop so hard. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? He didn't bite you. I'm like, shit. No. He's like, no. So the snake comes out of my bag. So, so, so to me, though, that was Jake being so intellectual that he probably already knew the heat I already had for who my father was. So then he was going to play a rib on me, but make sure everything went okay. That's how smart he was. And all the guys popped. The guys popped that liked me, but the guys that hated me popped even harder. And, and I wasn't processing at all because I was just like, here we go again. And I got dressed and all that later on. That, that, but then it was probably about a week later, and I, I, I came and hugged him as hard as I could. And I go, thank you so much. He goes, what? For the magic? I go, no. For the rib and everything else you do. And he goes, I can't imagine how tough it's on you. He goes, my dad was Grizzly Smith your dad's a couple of Watson. and he's the president of WCW and he goes fuck everybody i go i understand <laughs> you know so so uh what 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 a crazy thing but that he's a forward thinker you know he really is a forward thinker
0: he he did put you over in the commentary, you know, and he was, I mean, at that time in that match, you were the babyface. Obviously Michael PS Hayes was, was healing it up as usual. Jake was yeah. like the, the heel commentator, but he still was, he was still putting you over. He was saying, you know, yeah. this kid's got a future, but he's yeah. going to have to carry the sins of the father and all this kind of stuff. It was, yeah. you should
2: watch it, man. It's like, um, yeah. the commentary was fucking good. It was, and the match was good don't... too if you find that, please send me the link to that. You know, you got my number send me a link. Um, yeah. cause you know, you're exactly right. I mean, that, but, 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 you know, like what Jake says is behind the scenes. He's still the ultimate professional promoter. Right. Uh, 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 so he understands he even had the book for a while. So he understands. So everything he said was foreshadowing. Everything he said was a hundred percent on. And, um, uh, so so as much as the comments – and I'm telling you something private that doesn't really matter, you know. I mean, it doesn't matter. I, I, I hate it that, you know, my dad, I think, is the one that gave him his biggest shot and whatever happened to him happened to him. And that, 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 I don't even know if my dad knows if they're on the outs or not on the outs because he could give a shit less anyway. Um, but to me, I know how much my dad thought about Jake and so many athletes. However, my dad's a, a tough guy. And so sometimes he, he he teaches you to love, and sometimes he teaches you through beating your ass, period. You know? So, but, but, uh, but he always had, like, he always had a spot. He always had a way he was training you and teaching you. So you're a younger person. You might not get it, and you could maybe even get mad about it. But he knew how to pull the best out of people.
1: That's, uh, I mean, that's the rest. We could we could sit and talk about you know your dad and how he trained so many people put so many people over in mid south and that but I want mean, to I want to sort of stick to your to your career and like I'm I'm a huge WCW fan I can sit and watch that early nineties WCW stuff until you know, probably my wife tells me off and goes, tells, tells me to go to sleep. But This is quickly yeah.
0: becoming, we're quickly becoming a WCW podcast. I mean, we joke about it all the time, but it seems like all our guests that we have on seem to be from WCW. I mean, we've had Alex Wright on, Sonny Ono, um, Kwiwi, you know, yourself. We've had quite a few WCW guys on. And um, yeah, I mean, we, we literally just, we're huge WCW marks too. And that, early 90s when your dad was there um you know afterwards coming through i mean the nwo um there probably wasn't anyone in at that time in the in the early 90s that you didn't wrestle who who wasn't just a superstar you know it was just the list of names is incredible i mean even you know the the, uh the free birds you know michael p.s hayes arn anderson um you know, and it was the whole storyline of uh, was it poorly dangerously that had like a, a a bounty on your head or something? I think Pauly
2: and and you know, two of the guys, two of the guys. I probably started out with well, first of all, uh, Bobby. Eaton. You
1: know, yeah. they,
2: they, they put me they put me early with him, which is unbelievable. Um, but three guys that broke in the business basically together was the fact that Kevin Nash and Dallas page, they were a tag team, right? And so a lot of times I'd be with Dustin or whoever, but a lot of times I was wrestling. If I, if I did tags, there was two tags I did. I was either tagging against DDP and Kevin Nash, or I was ta- tagging against the Hollywood blondes, which was stone cold Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, you know? And then and then and then they mixed in Bobby Eaton and then they did a Narn Anderson and 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 so I was just with the best of the best of the best of the best and now, now now Dallas wasn't that good at that time but he became very good and Kevin wasn't that good at the time but he became very good so 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 you you had future Hall of Famers so we're all learning at the same pace with hall of famers, but then I had, you know, they would tag me occasionally, you know, Ricky the dragon steamboat would be me with me occasionally. Um, sometimes it'd be against Shane Douglas, you know, so. The, with Sasaki you know, as well, uh, weren't you for a couple of times? Well, you know, cause my dad wanted me to do the SDF, you know? So Chono and Sasaki, they came over from Japan. And yeah. and, they, and, and what a lot of people don't know, there's Hiro Matsuda and Matsuda and those guys. And a lot of these people didn't know that we were doing training sessions before I even wrestled, so I'd be in that ring two, three hours. And some of the guys like, "Oh, what's going on?" But I've learned a lot from those guys. A lot of people don't know Harley Race. and I'd say, "Hey, Harley, when we're on the road, can we go?" And Vader hated it because Vader had to go everywhere Harley went. So Harley's like, "Hey, I don't want people knowing I'm training you, so you don't get heat." So, so I'm going to find out from the ring crews what time they're going to be up. So if a ring was up at ten or eleven in Kansas City or whatever. Then we would meet at ten or eleven after the ring was up, and we'd train for two hours and go back. And Vader would cuss me. He's like, "You fucking idiot!" I was out drunk. Now I gotta be up with you because you suck. And I'm like, "Okay, Vader, I go, you know, whatever." Um, but, but uh, you know, I learned early. A, I brought my camera everywhere. I videotaped everything because that's the only way. And in college sports, high school sports, my dad taught me that since elementary. Right, tape everything because the, it's called the eye in the lot. The eye in the sky never lies. You may think you're looking good, but realistically, look at the eye in the sky, which we call the camera, right? Sure. Um, but even that didn't change. Even when I went to, like, uh, for, uh, to catch wrestling um, uh, with Otto Vance, um, as soon as I got over there, I saw some athletes that you wouldn't see in America, Franz Schumann. Jesus Christ, Franz Schumann, Unbelievable. You know, uh, uh, so so many of those guys, and a lot of those guys, I actually came back to America and told about. You know, Fit Finley, I'd never seen Fit Finley, but when I came back to WCW, I said, "You've got to get this guy named Fit Finley." You got. Uh, let me tell you this: I don't give a shit what anyone says. That's how. That's how um, Kane happened. That's exactly how Kane happened. I, I was in Germany, and I got the picture somewhere, and I I did a crossbody off the top ropes like I do. I sent it. Jim Ross saw it and goes, was Sid Vicious over there? I go, no. Glenn Jacobs. I said, this kid is from Texas. No one knows him. He he can't do interviews very well, but man, he's in the gym every day. He loves wrestling and all this other stuff. He goes, what? And so that's how WWE started doing it. Now, now uh, Jerry King Lawler and so many people try to take credit for it. I don't give a shit who takes credit for it. I know who I know who brought these people over. Right. And then Steve Regal started saying that he's the one that brought the people over, but realistically the Schumann's and the, and the, and uh, the Casey's and so many of these people actually came over because Vader got hurt. He couldn't go over there. I had a big show going on with Vern Gagne and Vader said, would you take my spot in Bremen, Germany? Well, I want to go to Bremen, Germany, Forever, because the city in which my mom's, when they got that ship, the city in which the ship started to sink was Brandon, Germany, and she was in concentration camps in Brandon, Germany. So I wanted to go back and visit anyway, so I'm like, hell yes. Well, the way they do things, it's like 30 or 40 days in the same town, and then they have a big show at the end, and they actually keep points. And people save their money year-round to watch every match, and then if you win, you get a point, and if you lose, and they keep the points, and then that's how the tournament ends at the end. Well, Otto Vance knew I couldn't be at the last because I had to be for Bern Gagne. Um, Bradshaw, he, he was in Germany, you know, never heard of. Ice Train, Franz Schumann, uh, Fit Finley. Uh, I could just go down. Well, immediately when I get there, I get and watch these guys. And so I, I pull, pull some people away uh, aside and go, would you work out with me during the day? And I remember Franz Schumann was one of the first people who goes, what? I go, Tony Sinclair. Oh my God. Tony Sinclair, one of the greatest ever. And I went to Tony and uh, Schumann and I go, Would you guys train with me? They go, No one's ever asked us to do that. I go, Okay, I don't give a shit. (laughs) And so all of a sudden, everyone else got drunk every night and I did occasionally too. And then they'd sleep in, they'd go work out. Well, these guys said, Don't tell anyone. They had keys. I would go work out with two of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. And they're teaching me, they're teaching me mind boggling shit, right? Because London and Germany and Japan, they've almost got that, it's almost like a little bit of a, a America and Triple A from Mexico. Triple A is more um, entertainment. America is more this. Uh, England and Germany is more hook, you know, chain wrestling. Um, and so it was kind of a fascination of both. And Otto Vance quickly, when I, I remember when I first went, over Otto was like, "You understand where to beat you every night?" I go, "I don't, be, I don't care." I, 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 you know, he goes, "Your father's done so much for me." I go, "Okay, uh, Vern Gagne is okay, yes sir." And what, the only reason all of a sudden, I think it was the second night I was there, when I flew over, it was like Thanksgiving. I've never even seen the wrestling. I'm like, okay, well, I'll get there. The first night I'll watch the wrestling, kind of know what to do. No bullshit. First night I got there, like, you're wrestling. I'm like, okay. I didn't know they had rounds. They had yeah. yellow cards, red cards, yeah, soccer shit. I'm like, what? So they're like, this is very, this is very serious. Things are very serious here. I'm like, okay. And so they go, What? I said, you gotta line up. So they take you out to to introduce the show, and that's how the interviews start. Well, I don't know what I'm doing swear to god i'm lined up i'm like okay this is pretty serious they said this is badass this is pretty much like fighting okay swear to god the music they brought you out to was barnum and bailey circus but i don't well for me from america i'm like they're bringing us out to the circus music and they want to say you know because you know my, my brain's not functioning and um oh god i can tell you stories forever over there of the stupid shit i did because i didn't know what they're doing well, the second night I was there, or the third night I was there, was a Wednesday night, I believe, and it's ladies' night. I didn't know it was ladies' night. Well, they have beer gardens in, in the facility. And, and so I'm there, and then all of a sudden, so they play this techno music. I, can, I just started dancing. I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm out of my mind. I don't know what these people are doing over here. I'm just going to entertain. So I started dancing. The crowd... Goes absolutely insane. Well, it just so happens that eighty percent of the crowd was women, and I'm like, no, no. So we get back. I wrestled, and out of Audavant sends someone up. Says he have not made me in an office. And Audavant goes, "You know, I was going to beat you every night." <laughs> I'm, I'm okay, sir. He goes, "Can you can you do that thing you did in the ring?" I go, "Yeah, it's called dancing." Of course, I can't. He's like, "I love it." Dude, he put me on a roll. I was whooping everyone's ass, <laughs> and all he wanted me to do is dance. And then afterwards, he said, "You have to stay at the beer gardens because all the women and the people would be buying beers." And it was, it was like it was this crazy thing. So, in between time, what people didn't know, I'm with Tony Sinclair and Franz Schumann and and all these people, um, um, uh, Finley, Finley. Finley and his wife took me to like an Oktoberfest thing in Germany. That's how close I got these guys. And, and, and they were like, we've never had an American come over and say, train me. So I'm training all day mornings with these guys for like 21 days. What people didn't understand, I'm in Germany. Most people are like, why did you go to Germany? I had 21 days or let's say 19 of the greatest training I've ever had in my life by completely different athletes that don't train American. And that goes back to the old days. Like my dad, when I was, um, when I was like 14, 15, there were still 23 territories. And that's what we've lost. You know, how do you learn Shakespeare if you're playing in the same park every night, you've got to go different languages. You know, like, like Shakespeare, if you do a play, you have the true people that don't understand plays. You don't even have to understand the language to be blown away by the play. And that's what pro wrestling was before. Right. So I go over there and I'm like, I I would have paid, I would have paid out money back. I I don't give a shit. It was a great, and and my, and my, my love for it was I put over as many people when I got back and a lot of people came over, right. You know, from it. So, um, uh, it was freaking absolutely amazing. Um, Casey, uh, oh my God, Lord Steve Casey, you know, from England, you know? And so I remember this, all right. So, lord steve casey were there and well I, he was there and what a great wrestler well he wouldn't let wrestlers hang around because he had special hookups at all the bar everyone loved him and so one night he goes let's go out and it was almost like hogan I like go, okay good. meet me at this bar here's the address so i had to get a cab get there he goes don't tell anyone i hung out with you i don't hang out with wrestlers because they fuck things up i'm like okay we won't <laughs> and then and then i'm like when i was a kid you came to mid-south he goes yeah well, after I come back, they bring Regal. They bring some people. Well, Regal goes by Lord Steve Regal. I get a call by Steve Casey. He's like, I'm coming to America. I want to hang out. And I said, okay. And I said, stay in my house. He goes, okay. I stay in my house. Well, I thought he was gonna stay like three days, about 10 days in, I had to kick him out. I'm like, bro, I, I know you want to go see more of America. Why are you in my house this long? And we're laughing. <laughs> he was so pissed. He's like, how is Steve Regal calling himself Lord Steve Regal when I came and wrestled for your father as Lord Steve Casey? I'm like, uh, because no one remembers that shit. <laughs> but, but he literally had like, he had heat. Like he really disliked Regal. He goes, no, I, I could be the only Lord. I'm like, let me explain something to you, okay? I understand England and I love you you think you're gonna be the last guy that wrestles in america called lord something or sir something get over yourself so but but i will, t- I will but I'll tell you that he was an amazing worker oh yeah so i don't know if you guys know him over there but man what a great worker
0: we i mean we yeah. love that british style hey jordan we
1: yeah big, we big, we big
0: trained well ourselves for donkeys, a bit
1: so it's um you know, Fit Finley was someone that worked on the, uh, well, he definitely worked in the U- on the UK circuit, yeah. right? and that's how we, you know, how, how we as youngsters first saw some Fit Finley stuff. It was before he made his way to WCW. We knew he was, you know, he was on the on the UK sort of, he was making the town. Yeah. And- Did you guys get to see Fran Schumann? I never saw front Schumann.
2: Oh, no. bro! If you can ever even look up his name, maybe under a know, different name,
0: he might have been under a different name, possibly.
2: May, maybe, but but at catch wrestling, you know, catching that Germany and yeah. France and all that, if yeah. you can check him out. Um, um, you know the the few names that I mentioned, man, you gotta look him up because I, I saw I saw some matches with some of the guys I told you about. That parallel Eddie Guerrero and um, um, Benoit. Swear to God. And Benoit, how me and Benoit became friends is because of Franz Schumann and some of these other guys talking to him about me. And they got me on the phone with a guy named Chris Benoit in Canada. Then they said, if you think you like us, he's awesome too. And then I came back and started talking about Chris Benoit. Then Chris Benoit came to WCW. But I literally started my relationship with Chris Benoit, being in Germany with uh, the guys I was telling you about, and us talking back to Chris Benoit. That's how crazy it was.
1: Didn't you have like a a run with Benoit and WCW? Like he he didn't stay? so.
2: No, 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 yeah, 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 we we had had a small run, and it was a blessing, you know, I mean, he, you know, when he first came over, right, he was, he was nobody, and no one knew who he was, but you could just tell, I mean, all his experience, and I, I, I used to, I used to laugh about it, because I don't pay most, I, I, I gotta be honest with you guys, I, I don't pay much attention to the bullshit about who people think are tough and not tough, because it's so stupid, Most of the time, because what people think are tough and not tough. (laughs) So, you know, I, you know, because I remember, I remember, uh, you know, here we are, and um, people are talking about who a shooter is. And I'm like laughing my ass off. So people were actually scared of Steve Regal. Like like they were scared. I don't know who said he was a badass. I was like laughing. I'm like, so he can hook people and he can submit people and he's a badass. Like I just laughed about it internally because when you're raised with cowboy Bill Watts and you understand who's tough and who's not, and you truly have submission experience and you truly have um Sambo experience and when you truly have amateur wrestling experience and all those fucking things like I've had, you know who's a stud, not a stud. And you know what? You're not scared of any of them because truly. In a badass altercation, it's a chess match if you're truly a badass. Because it's almost like UFC. Let's see who can catch who in what situation, whether it's a knockout or a chokeout or whatever. So I laughed at it. I was like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people were badass. You know, like Vader. You see Vader. Vader is one of the world's strongest men. I watched Paul Orndorff with one arm beat the shit out of him. You know, but, but I knew Paul Orndorff was a badass, and everyone was like, "I can't believe Paul Orndorff just did that." I'm like, "I can believe Paul Orndorff just did it." Vader, I love Vader, love him. God bless him in heaven or hell, wherever the hell he's at. But but he thought he was a bully and got just bitch whipped in, in center stage in Atlanta like a child. And there was like, "I can't believe him. I'm like because you idiots listen to rumors and exaggerations." So I used to say it. No, listen, I love Steve Riegel. I love Steve Riegel. but I used to laugh with guys going. So how do you guys know he's tough? Well, we heard the stories. What's the, the stories he told? And then he's bringing over athletes and they're telling the same story. Stop that shit. I'll put him in a fucking box in two seconds and have him suck his thumb. That's stupid. And I'm not talking. I don't care. Uh, you know, like I'm not trying to brag to brag, but people tried me and, and their stories about what happens when they try me. I'm not bragging. It's like, if you can walk, you can walk. If you can whip ass, you can just whip ass, right? And then, so I used to listen to these stories about all these badasses. So. Everyone was scared of Chris Benoit. Oh, he's tough. You see him. And, and, and Chris treated me so kindly. And, I, and it, w- it was before he was ever anything here. I had nothing but respect from him because I'd heard about the true legends of wrestling over in Europe that were saying that he was a great worker. It, no one's talking about street fights. You know, the Tony Sinclair. If you guys don't know Tony Sinclair, look him up. Franz Schumann and Tony Sinclair, when I was over there, had the best matches of anybody in the world. I'm saying knockdown dragouts, historic matches. When you've got legends like that, talking about a Chris Benoit and this and this and that and that, you truly know who's who, who's good athlete. So before, out, out of the respect of the guys that were helping me out, I already knew... About you know how good Chris Benoit was, so it was one of the first nights I met him, and we were going to wrestle, and he was sitting there throwing li- live punches against the wall, blooding his knuckles. When I'm telling you he is kicking this wall, he I thought he's going to break bricks, and I looked at him going, "This guy doesn't get this is th- this is entertainment," and I, I'm getting ready to go wrestle this guy. I'm like, if he kicks me like that, punches me like that. Me and him are gonna have a fucking issue. But that's but 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 literally from then to the day he passed, that's how he that that's how he um warmed up. Like like he was a, overly aggressive. Like the, the, these kicks against these concrete walls, I don't see how he didn't blow his knee. That's how hard he was kicking the wall. And I'm like, what the fuck? And he goes, Oh god, I just gotta get so focused. I wanna rip your fucking head off. I just wanna kick your Guts out. And I was watching him going, okay, (laughs) whatever. But that's how he focused. And then when he went out there, it was a shoot out there, but his kicks never touched you. His punches never touched you. But the way he psyched himself up, he was going for a street fright every time. And that's what made him so great. It was real to him. That's why he could dive off the top. That's why he could do all the stuff. That's why when he, you know the crippler and all that stuff. All those signals. All the, mentally, he was saying he was going to crush you or hurt you. And this, but but he did not in the ring. He was he was one of the gentlest, kindest pe- people in the world. And, and but you you go forward and I heard these guys talking about Steve Regal. You know, and I was thinking to myself, me and Steve Regal wrestled fifty times. Never ever 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 did he try to tighten up on me or would he have tightened up on me? Because let me tell you something, people that know things, know things. He'd never tighten up on me because you would get fucking murdered, you know, I mean, from an athlete to an athlete, right? But that's just how things happen in wrestling. You know, you, you, you hear about these shooters and they're not shooters. It, it's the guys that you don't hear about that are killers. You know, you go back in the day, Dick Murdoch knocked out more people than – Hacksaw Jim Dugan and Steve Dr. Death Williams. But Hacksaw Jim Dugan and Steve Dr. Death Williams. I, I heard some of the worst bar fights I've ever heard in my life. Dr. Death, Steve Williams, when he came out of Oklahoma, he literally had 10 different bowl rings and occasionally didn't wear them. And, 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 I, and I, I wanted to be a college football player and I'm like, oh. And, and his bowl rings were kind of rounded. Like they were damaged. And I'm like, Doc, Doc, can I ask something? Why are your bowl rings rounded? He goes, for the pussies that try to fight me. I go, what do you mean? He goes, this guy the other day spit on me on the way out. So I ran after him, he locked himself in the car. So I punched through the fucking car. I ripped him out, kicked him in the face five times. He got under the car. It was cold. I wasn't getting on my knees to pull him out to kill him. So I just did the bird bath. I go, the bird bath? What's the bird bath? He goes, that's why these rings are rounded. Cause when people don't want to fight me, I just beat the top of their car until I put a bird bath in it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that is insane. Yeah. Uh, uh, one time, Hacksaw Jim Dugan, Hacksaw Jim Dugan. D- Dirty Dick Slater. I'm going to tell you, Dirty Dick Slater, there's a famous pro football player that did some movies and everything like that. He was known as a beast. And Deke Slater uh, uh, um, Slater beat him up so bad in a hotel room that he went into his hotel. Slater and them uh, uh, were buying drinks at the pool and said, don't you ever come back out or I'll kill you. And the guy that was supposed to be known as the baddest NFL guy sat in there and goes, please let me out, please let me out. You know, so there's a difference between people that talk about it and don't talk about it, right? But Hacksaw Jim Dugan, it was hilarious. And they come up to him he's got this black eye, his eyes puffed up. I'm a little kid. You know, and loved Hacksaw. I'm like, Hacksaw, what happened? Uh sit down, kid. I wanna I want to tell you a story. I'm like, okay, so I'm sitting down, all the guys are in the locker room, and and I'm like, yes, sir. And he goes, So I was at a bar the other night, and this 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 kid comes up and he's just talking shit. And I got tired. Now a lot of people don't know Hacksaw Jim Dugan is legally blind. Like when, all the times you see him in the ring, he didn't have contacts or anything. Everyone, everything's blurry. Like He literally has some of the worst eyesight of any human. You see his glasses, they're like the bottom of a Coke bottle. They're thick as hell. Wow. And so it's like, so this guy was running his mouth, and I'm thinking, well, you're going to, you know, because my dad, my, my, here's what my dad's rule was. Don't get in a fight outside of wrestling. But if you do get in a fight, you better devastate and hospitalize the guy because if you lose or you don't hospitalize him, I'm firing you. So there's a rule, don't get a fight, but if you do cripple the person, cause if you don't, you're fired. So dude's like I'm <laughs> having them drinks and this guy's running his mouth. And so I said, you know, I can't remember the story. This was like 40 years ago, whatever it was He's like, you know, why don't you just shut up or some shit like this? And he said, and the guy's like, you know, fuck you. And he goes, I could tell the guy was nervous. And so he goes, I turned around and he goes, I'll put him up Dukes and I'm going to kill this guy. He goes, and before you knew it, I don't know whether it was his feet or his hands. I got hit about 15 times in the face. He goes, my glasses flew off. (laughs) He goes, the "The glasses flew off my face. he's like, I've never been hit this many. He goes, I thought it was like five of his friends that were whooping my ass. (laughs) He said, I'm standing there like, okay, okay okay, I don't know who I'm, he said, so I can't see anything. He said, so I see like shadows of a person in front of me. He goes, yeah, son, here's the deal. He goes, I went to jab. The guy wasn't there. I got hit two more times. So I went to jab and, I, and the guy hit me two more times. Then I went to grab the guy and I got hit two more times. He goes, whoever was, was kicking my ass. He goes, but Eric, I want to teach you something. He goes, when you have someone down don't change your game. I'm like, yes, sir. What's that mean? He goes, so I finally went to grab a guy and I thought I had his shirt, but I guess I grabbed the guy's face and my thumb went in his mouth. He goes, well, when my thumb was in his mouth. The guy starts biting my thumb like really hard. And he goes, now I've got you. He goes, cause now I knew where he was. I beat that son of a bitch into a coma. He went to the hospital. I think he's got broken orbitals and all that other stuff. He goes, had he just kept to his game, he would have whooped my ass. He goes, So son, stay to your game and never bite a man's thumb that's in your mouth. I'm like, Yes, sir. <laughs> all the guys are laughing so hard. Because I mean his face was black and blue. I'm like, and only like like the way Hacksaw Jim Dugan can tell you the story, he like, he was basically saying, you know, not that the not that the strikes were hurting him so much, but eventually. You get hit enough, it's going to, you know, phase you. And, and so the moral of the story was don't bite a guy's thumb because then he can find you. Don't change, don't change your game if you're in a fight. Uh, I was like, I laughed so hard. I'll never forget the story because uh, he, was, he was known as one of the animals. I mean, Buzz Sawyer and all these guys. Um, anyone that looks back at the Mid-South will tell you that not only was it the most talented locker room, but it was the most devastating locker room. You know, every once in a while you walk in the locker room and you can just tell tension. Because people were wondering who was the baddest in the locker room, you know. You got when you got like at one time you had half said Jim Dugan, you had um, Rick Steiner, Steve Doctor Death Williams, Buzz Sawyer, Dick Murdoch, Dick Slater, um, Barbarians. John Nord, uh, you just had these guys. And all these guys were known for not just amateur football, amateur wrestling, but street fighters, like like assassins. And you put them all in the same locker room, right? But the funny thing about it is my dad, no matter what his age was or not, he walked in and all shit stopped. And, you know, I could always tell. I could always tell that I'm like, you know what? People, there was even a time where guys were like, I wonder if I could take him. <laughs> but, he, you know, he, he, there was no fake stories about him. His notoriety, his street fighting, and, and and guys saw him do things on tryouts and stuff like that. So pretty much, I would say, if everyone wasn't scared of him, they, everyone was not sure. So none of the, even the young studs, uh, Dusty Rhodes told me, he goes, hey, baby, let me tell you something. He goes, I was in, I was in the WC, WCW office the other day, and your father, and we got to talk to your father because he put me at risk. I'm like, okay, Dream, what are you talking about? He's like, baby, here's the deal. Rick Rude hated your father. And he goes, and Rick Rude carries guns. And he goes, so I'm up at the WCW tower, and I see Rick coming in because your dad is finding him He said, I'm, he's like, I want to talk to Bill Watts, this motherfucker. He's like, oh, I knew your dad hunted, So I knew your dad was going to talk to him. He says, so, he said, Dream, get your ass in here. <laughs> Rick, get your ass in here. He says, so now I'm sitting there and my dad is looking at me going, tell Rick what an idiot he is. He's like, Bill. I understand that you find him. I think you're right for finding him. He goes, no, tell him what it is. Like, Bill, at this point, I know he's got a gun, and I know you've got a gun. <laughs> he said, so I'm not saying shit. <laughs> so, and so, uh, so my dad said, my, my dad said something, he goes, you're fine. If you like it, you like it, you don't, you don't. If you got a gun, draw it. He goes, but you won't make it to your gun, because I'll beat your brains out. And um, he said, now, he said, Eric, I knew your dad couldn't get to Rick because there was a table. I just knew they're both gonna pull guns and they're gonna shoot my fat ass, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like laughing so hard because I could I could think about it. Here we, you know, like here's these two guys at TBS Towers, and my dad is a badass, but he always has a gun, and and here Rick Root is, he's a badass, (laughs) he's he's got a gun, no. In what corporate corporate world are you at, where there's the CEO of a company and there's the talent of a company, and now you've got Dusty Rhodes, and he's not sure whether they're going to fight or shoot each other? He just doesn't want to get shot. He's like, "So I got out of the office."
1: <laughs>
2: uh, Eric, did
1: crazy. you ever get fined yourself?
2: I got fined one time. Uh, I got fined one time, and it was rough. Uh I had been invited to Indianapolis, so we had like a 10-day run, and it was called Bear and the Blue River Parade or Blue and the Bear Parade or something, and they wanted me to be the marshal of the parade, and it is the second largest parade the week of the Indianapolis 500, and it was in a small town outside of Indianapolis that was known for being the biggest supporter of the Indianapolis 500. So it was an honor and respect. It was my first year. First year, first year and a half. So I'm sitting up. I'm the Grand Marshal. I'm throwing out the beads and doing all my bullshit. After that, I had to go to a radio station to promote that night's event, which WCW set up. And I can't remember what it was. $100 a minute, $500 a minute, some kind of shit. Like, you know, like on a house show, if you were a minute late, there was a dollar amount per minute you were late. And I pride myself always football, wrestling, whatever, being there on time and all that. And so I'm doing this interview and and, and, and I'm in a radio studio. We're doing the radio and they're like, Eric Watts, thank you so much. But you got to get going or you're going to be late. I'm like, no, I'm good. And they're like, no, you're not good. So there's certain parts of Indiana, I did not know this, that the time change, there is no time change. They don't respect the time change. Oh, shit. Right. Eric didn't know this. So then Eric goes, oh, shit. And I remember calling Grizzly Smith. I'm like, Grizzly, I'm hauling ass. I'm doing the best I can, but I'm going to be late. He goes, you know, you're going to be fine. And I got my ass fined off. I don't know if I was 15 minutes late. I don't know whether it cost me. I can't remember, $1,500, $15,000. It was, it was something crazy. And I think that WCW allowed me to, um, <laughs> you know, like have a charity my choice or some shit like it, so it could be a tax write-off. But that's the one and only time. And then it kind of pissed me off because I'm like, hold on, guys. I do this parade. I'm doing this radio thing. They go, yeah, but you should have known the time change. I'm like, really? <laughs> Shouldn't you guys? Like, like, you guys booked the radio show after the thing. Shouldn't you? they know, like, no, you know, but but my dad was still in charge. So I I didn't even, you know what? I didn't even, I didn't even fight. I'm like, okay, I, I fucked up, you know? I got cussed for it too, you know? But it wasn't as bad. Ron Simmons was so good to me. So Ron, Ron Simmons was on a flight one day. And uh, he's like, easy. Because sometimes they call me easy or whatever. Easy. You got a lot of heat. He goes, I don't know why. You're so good. I love you to death. He goes, but I got to tell you, I really don't like your father right now. Now think about this. Like he is, like we're sitting in seats across from each other. And he's going to dog my dad. And, and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, my dad, you know, he just put the strap on you like a month ago. And now you're mad at my dad, right? But I did not know what he was mad at because well, sometimes we were running two towns at, at a time, right? And he's like, that motherfucker find me $5,000. And I'm looking at him like, why would he fine me $5,000? He's like, because I was so drunk from the night before that I went to the airport and I got on the wrong plane to the wrong town. I, <laughs> I, I missed the town. He said, I got off the plane and I, I, I'm i exaggerate, but he goes, I got off the plane, Thing I was in Chicago and I was in fucking, you know, like Philadelphia and I'm like, so what's the problem? He goes, well, $5,000 is a lot of money. I go, but you missed the whole town. He's like, that's bullshit, he goes, but I, he goes, but I like you, I go well, if I were you and I'm just, I was teasing. I was like, if I were you, I'd go to his office and I would cuss him out. And he goes, Oh, I'm not that mad. <laughs> 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 but it was so funny. He goes, but either way, I gotta tell you what, I really like you. And, 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 and he was, uh, he was an angel to me. Like, you know, he, you know, there, there was guys, you know, there's guys that never listened to the politics and didn't care. They, they either knew you as being, you know, cause, you, you know you're you're real you're you're true guys that were focused on the real thing that truly got it but let me tell you about wrestling okay the better these shows do the more money you make now wcw everyone's guaranteed contract wcw got paid on the show but realistically sting and steiners and whoever the more the better we were doing even at wcw when you went to negotiate your contract you make more money if the company's making more money it's just it just it just is right wwe that's what i liked about wwe because it was a weekly you know the way you got paid you immediately saw the benefit of the houses doing good the house shows doing good whereas at wcw if you if you agreed to get one year or two years sometimes you agreed to a three year Sometimes you didn't give a crap because you're already making your money, right? And so it was kind of weird. Um, so that's what I liked about WCW. I mean, I mean, excuse me, WWE, but there's, there's benefits of WCW. So there's benefits. But my point is, I don't care if you're a McDonald's employee, you should know, in theory, the better McDonald's does, it should trickle all the way down. It just should. Like, if, I, if I'm washing dishes at $9.50, and I see that their stock goes up and their earnings per share goes up and their profit EBITDA. And, well, let me not get crazy. I do a lot in stocks and stuff. So my, my point is if you see the health of a company goes up, I don't give a shit who you are. go, I think I, I'm, you know, I think I should make $9.75, you know, period, you know, and, and, and you're probably going to get it. Um, the guys that truly got that understood the business so so when you got to WWE, even though there was a lot of politics, when it got, when the politics drifted all the way up to the badasses like Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and that, when they really would look at heat, they may go, that guy's got a lot of heat, but he draws money. And if he's drawing money, we all draw money. And so then, so then a line would come down. It was when a person wasn't, maybe drawing money or not, or kind of that, that if someone gave heat and someone had to make a judgment, okay, that person might be gone rightfully, right or wrong. They may be gone due to politics, but realistically the guys like the Ron Simmons and the people, the way they looked at me was they would look at my matches. They would look at the crowd reaction. And I think they judged me on whether I was a benefit to the company or not. Whereas some people were just blinded by hate. There was a lot of people that were there's a lot of people that were such ass kissers. They would just hate someone because someone they were hanging around hated someone. And they thought that that kept them in the party. Okay. And then, and that's politics, right? You know, I mean, you're a Republican, you're a Democrat. So, so if you're a Democrat, you're going to hate everyone Republican and a Republican, hate every Democrat over here in America. I, I find that so stupid. You know, there's a guy and not to get into politics, but, but one of the reasons why some of the bills have stopped over here is there's a guy named Joe Manchin, which is a Democrat from West Virginia. But this guy is standing up saying, hey, I think we should be careful about how much we're going to put into roads and bridges. So so I understand that all the Democrats are going to be mad at me. But I also don't want to put our grandkids that deep in debt. Well, everyone's going ape shit right now. What? He's a Democrat. He's supposed to sign on. And me as a person. Democrat or Republican. I'm like, no, what he's saying is I'm looking at these bills as whether it's good news or bad news for generations deep. If it's going to help the generations, I'm for it. If not, so he's taken off his jersey, whether I'm Democrat or Republican. But if you, but if you asked him, are you a Democrat or Republican? he would tell you all day, I'm definitely a Democrat. The difference is, is the guys in the business that didn't say I'm a Shawn Michaels fan, or I'm an Undertaker fan, or I'm a Vince McMahon. If they took off their, their jersey for a second, said I'm about who helps us bring in the most people, those guys were always, you know, they're always good to me. The, the guys that wanted to pick sides, they they're they just picking sides. And, and you know what? Since I've been out of wrestling, I've forgiven a lot of those guys. There's a lot of guys who go, oh, I hate you for no reason. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> I I knew that. Well, can you forgive me? Shit, I forgave you the day you didn't like me. You know, because I knew, I mean, like like people that don't like you, because of your color your height your sex or whatever those are ignorant people right because they don't even know you that's how it isn't that's how it is into wrestling forget race and height but i'm saying someone that just doesn't like you because they don't like you or because they think that they don't like you it's called it's called ignorance you know so shame on them i don't give a shit um
0: Can I just ask you a question? It's just popped into my head when I'm thinking about dates and times. Yeah. You were in WCW at a time where Ric Flair obviously had just left to go to the other company. Okay. And he he took the strap with him and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What actually, how did that go down, that whole situation? Because a lot of stories get told about that as well, and it's like, if anyone knows what went on, fuck you know what happened. Well,
2: hey, you know, you bring up a uh, that you bring up a valid point. I I got to be honest with you because I, I pride myself in memory and I don't know if I have a good memory of what was truly happening at that time with Rick. You know, um Rick is a, a, a he's an enigma Like, I have never been around so many people that praise Rick. I always try to respect Ric Flair because he's Ric Flair. Um, However, the little I do on the indie circuit as far as autograph sessions and things like that, the last two or three times I've had relationships with people that have relationships with Ric Flair, it has been nothing but horrible. I mean, their relationship... Yeah. I mean, some guys that I, there's guys that I truly believe and he held them up for ransom big time. Like I I could give you stories of how bad he did some people and, but I don't want to go there. But when I say he really did them bad, he really did them bad and it's not hearsay. And he really fucked up some hotel rooms and it's not hearsay. It's just, it's just not hearsay. And I hate it so much because you know he came up to me when when david broke in at wcw when he first broke in he came to me actually and he said hey i understand you know how this works uh, you know i asked that my son Russell you for a certain reason would you give him a great match but put him over and he goes and i'm going to be on the sidelines i think Arnold anderson or someone else was too and i said absolutely i don't you know, I, I get paid, at WCW, I get paid, you know, whatever. I have no ego to it. And then we had a match and David was very new to the business. And Rick actually came up. He goes, you brought the best out my son. I'm not just saying it like you really shined him. And I said, well, because that was the greatest compliment in the world. Right. And um, and uh, I heard some great Ric Flair stories and I talked to Rick and, and, and Rick was great. But I also heard some horror stories about how he treats some people but i'm like well that's just rick i've heard that too but I, I gotta tell you in the last i haven't done a whole bunch but let's say in the last five years some of the stories i've gotten from guys i personally know that paid me to go do things and not do things or i was personally on some events that turned out horror no, the events turned out great but the stories were horrible i don't even know what to say i i, I really don't i mean it's to the point I was doing some consulting for a company two years ago that was there about a year and a half. And there was a tattoo place right next to this company. And um, there was a girl from my work that was into tattoos I'm not into. And, she, and, and it, it was about a mom that died of breast cancer. And so she went to go get this breast cancer tattoo. And the guy was a huge wrestling fan. He goes, is that Eric Watts that I see going to that company? And she goes, yeah. So she invited me to come meet the guy. Well, the guy was the biggest Flair fan in the world and he actually wanted to talk to rick because not david but the um what was what was rick's son that od'd um what was his name reed reed so so sorry reed i've met reed a few times but I, i couldn't remember his name he's like reed his last few tattoos were with me i'm like wow you know that's big he goes i actually wanted to get a picture of Flare on my back by one of my tattoo artists I think my wife's gonna kill me for doing it but I'm that big a flare fan and you know the way I am just like with that mid-south uh uh you know the 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 mid-south um show in England you know I just I thought I appreciate these guys wanting to bring me on to the mid-south show but if I could just talk my dad into being there because he's the one that built mid-south it would blow it would blow the commentator away it'll blow the fans away And I do, like we said at the beginning of the show, I just truly care about carrying on the legacy of pro wrestling and appreciate people like you. So I'm like, how would it be more important that I comment on the show they're doing? Or what if I bring the person that did? And I really said two things the whole hour and a half um, because I think that's what's right for the sport. And I was just like, man, I think it would blow this guy's mind if I could get Ric Flair that lives 10 miles from this place to come up here and meet this guy. And I think it'd mean a lot to Rick to hear this guy talk about the fact that he was doing a tattoo and actually read was supposed to come for one more session and finish that tattoo, but then he OD'd. And then I go, but I can't count on Rick, meaning he doesn't owe me shit. But what he say? Eric, why are you asking me? I don't care. The guy's lying. I don't try. And then it just weighed on my shoulders. So, You know, I I was telling a a girl I hang around with and she was like, Eric, why do you do these shows? I go, I do the show to give back. But she goes, but why do you do it? I said, just that. It's the respect for the people before my father, my father that laid the ground to allow me to do what I did. It's the respect for that. That says it in a nutshell. Flair has gotten to a point in his life that he it seems like is bigger than the sport and i'm sad for it because he could probably have talked to this guy it could have probably given him insight to read you know things it it could have maybe done big things i don't know emotionally right but you can't count on it and and uh, and i was with a good good a very good friend of mine the other day and he was like eric Flair did something, which I never talk about Flair. I'm talking about him now, but I don't. He's like, he did something so treacherous that he's gonna lose sponsorships on advertising. I mean, he has fine. He this is what the guy said. The guy said that Flair has done so much crazy shit lately. That Jake Roberts is the Pope of wrestling. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, what? He's like, no, like, like Flair's name is Mud. He goes, and I never thought Flair's name could ever be Mud. That's like Jesus christ name being Mud to a religion, right? And I'm like, really? Now I don't keep up with stuff, guys, so I don't know necessarily what he's talking about. But the guy was like, no, he is, he is shit. Like, AEW doesn't want him, WWE. He goes, and he left WWE, and he was doing great on AEW. He's like, he has burnt the bridge so bad that no one wants it. I'm like, wow. Now, you know, karma, whatever. Maybe karma finally came around, you know? I, I don't know. And it's sad because Ric Flair had the, uh, you know, pro wrestling world in his hands for as long as he wanted it. He could do no wrong. So, you know, guys – what I'm trying to tell you by the story, not to be hacksaw Jim Dugan. Sure. Uh, d- d- don't stick your don't stick your thumb in wrestling's mouth. What I'm trying to say is, when people become bigger, okay, when don't become bigger than wrestling. Don't become bigger than don't don't become such a celebrity you don't understand what pays you and how you get paid. It is absolutely your ability to entertain. It's absolutely your ability to perform, but minus an audience. You would be doing this for cows and shit that can't pay, right? The reason I live where I live, the reason why I do what I do is because of pro wrestling. Let me tell you how crazy this was. And again, I mentioned Dallas Page because me and him do business together too. I was with Dallas, and uh, we were somewhere. I was, I was taking him and his, his girlfriend with me and my girlfriend. There's a place called Burt's Pumpkin Patch. And it's, it's north of uh, where I live, and it's in the middle of nowhere in these, these like, hills and mountains, you know, probably an hour from my house. And DDP is the biggest Christmas guy in the world. I mean, Christmas, Christmas, oh, Jesus. Just stop the press. There's no one bigger on Christmas than Dallas Page, right? So, so I try to celebrate some things here and there. Well, one of the things I like doing is going out and getting these, like, you know, you know, 100, 150 pound pumpkins with smaller pumpkins and do up some stuff. I do a little Christmas stuff too. And then carve them and all that. Well, so I called Dee. -Dee. I said, Dee, -Dee, if you ever done anything for for Halloween, he goes, I'm not big into Halloween. I said, would you want to come help me pick my pumpkin out this year? He goes, you pick pumpkins out. I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, why don't you just go to Pike's Nursery or whatever around here and get pumpkins? I said, because there's only one place I like going. He's like, if there's one place you go, we're going. (laughs) So he met me out there and he was like blown away. He's like, Look at the size of these effing pumpkins and, and white and green and mongoloid, and they have all these different, you know, and, and, and they've got pumpkin bread and pumpkin honey and pumpkin, it's just everything pumpkin, right? Uh and then and then there's a, this uh this, this Ruby Falls that's right there. So we went up to the mountain we washed over some falls and all this other stuff. And um we, we just we, I mean like we just had it we, we just had a great time, right? And looking, you know, I was talking to him and I had gotten my mail. That day on the way out. And I was like, Dallas, I haven't wrestled, truly wrestled. I mean, yeah, I've done two or three small shows just to do something to help someone else out, but no, nothing. I said, since 2005. I said, look what I got today. I said, and it comes every three months. He's like, what? And it was a big ass envelope, WWE, and it was a royalty check. I'm like, every three months, I get royalties. Still to this day, I get royalties. They could be big to you. They could be small to you. They could be whatever. It just reminds me, like, I, I, I tell you what, when I get it, I almost every time want to call Vince and go, thank you. Thank you. You know, you know what? Because with other legal teams and shit like that, they could sit there and blow it off. I would know different. I don't, I'm not going to get an accountant, forensic accountant and see the DVDs and shit, shit, shit. I'm not just not going to do it. It's just that I look back and go, I haven't been in wrestling since 2005 and because my dad chose this and he did whatever and I followed in his footsteps to this day, whether it's a dollar or a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, it doesn't make a shit. Because I got to do what I love, they still compensate me. What the fuck? How many people get to do that in their life? How many people go? I love what I did. And I get paid for it because the, 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 the definition to me, and this is like watching Dallas doing his yoga stuff, which is incredible. Dallas will, will tell you, like I'll tell you, when you're doing what you love, you're never working. This isn't work being with you guys. It takes time. It ain't work. But it's not work. And that does, I don't give a shit if you guys make a dollar on your podcast or 10 million. It's not work to you either this is yeah. life, this yeah. is life, you know? And if I can, if I can clock in, clock out and make some money doing what I do, it's just, a, it, it's like winning a lottery. Right. So, so, and then, you know, my, uh, my wife at the time when I was at WCW, I signed a deal and, and I learned from a few guys because most guys wouldn't do it. I would go pick up, they made you come get your checks. So I'd have to send my wife or whatever. Well, a guy named Johnny B. Bad, I don't know, Mark Marrow. So I knew Mark, and Mark's like, "Hey Eric, you know, a lot of people because they don't know where you live is going to send fan mail to WCW." So okay, I said, "So why are you telling me that?" He goes, "Well, if you don't ask them, they'll just throw it away. Not being mean, they just don't. You know, there's so much fan mail comes in. You have to request that they give you your fan mail." I said, "Okay, I I I wouldn't. I was like, okay. So I I sent my wife. I'm like, hey Georgie, tell them that I want my fan. So you got paid every two weeks. So the next time I came they didn't have like a mailbag. They had like three mailbags. And I'm like, I've only been on TV two or three times. And this must be, there must be a thousand letters in here. And so she comes home. She goes, what are we going to do with this? I go, I don't know. So uh, Johnny, me, Johnny, uh, uh, Barry Windham, uh, Mike Graham, Vern Ganya, Kevin Nash, Booker T Washington, we all were in the same apartment complex because you could walk from there to Sting and Lex Luger's main event fitness to work out. Greatest pool. It was basically, it was two towers that were filled of chiropractor students, Pro wrestlers and strippers. So you can imagine what the pool looked like when you came home. So you're beat up and you come home, you're like, at least I'll just go out to the pool and see all the, the people. And <laughs> um, and it was awesome. So you know, I even had a huge balcony on the penthouse looking over the pool because I was like, yeah. Okay. And it was, it was like, it was like uh, Christmas every day. So so I went down to Johnny and go, Johnny, I, I got like three bags of mail. And he goes, Come here. <laughs> I walked into one of his rooms. I can't tell you how many bags of mail he had. I go, what the hell do you want me to do with it? He goes, I want you to try your hardest to sign every one of them. I go, what? So I had called WCW up. I need a thousand pictures. I mean this. And literally, if I was home for two or three days, I would take six hours. I would read, or my wife would read as much as she could, and I would sign because sign. what WCW would do is you put in an envelopes when you went to go get your check the next time, you dropped off however much you dropped off, they would pay for all the postage. And it was, it was because of Mark Merrow that, and not because, I mean, he taught me, I'm like, I really want to sign as much stuff as I can. Why I'm telling this message is I, I bought another house about a year and a half ago, moved. I was moving stuff out of my attic, and I still had two boxes of mail. And I have been working on trying to find it. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll send a letter saying, send it back if is you. I got a stack, only a stack left still from those days. The, why, why, why that means a lot to me is Mark was like, but if they, if they took the time to send this out, shouldn't we respond? And I'm like, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's some upstairs, I'm telling you right now, I'm thinking about it, that bring me to tears. You know, like, gosh. Yeah. Now, you know, people have found out where I live somehow now. And I'll get some. My daughter just played last night on ESPN. She's a six-one guard for the Naval Academy, um, and, and things like that. So, so I've had some people say, "Hey, I'm following your daughter. It's your sophomore year on college. Can I get your signature and things like that?" Especially if they're military and things, uh, you know, I do what what I can do. Uh, but, but even back from those days, I have a I have probably thirty five, thirty six letters still that I haven't found a home for. Now, some that don't respond after a year. But but some will send out and they'll say yes and but I move and and some crazy shit. I got about 35 letters I haven't found the owners to uh, that I planned. Why I'm telling you all this is nothing about me. That's what my dad taught me about pro wrestling. Without the fans, you don't kiss their ass. You know, you don't sit there and say, You respect where you're at and why you're there, just like you guys. You know, you're respecting wrestling enough. But you're also respecting to push the, the the news down or or you're trying, you're trying your hardest to keep wrestling relative, important, and to pass along to generations information. And that's so very important. And 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 that's why I do what I do, and and, and those are the guys that I truly understand. Those are the guys like when, with my dad, he's so beat up and he hurts so bad. And you know, my, my dad's always said, you know, listen, I, I was a, I was a depression baby in America when the depression was, you know? So my dad, my dad, his parents started making him pay rent at 13 years old at 13 years old. Right. So he understands it. And, um, And he goes, so, so you, you didn't make any of the money I made. I go, no, sir. I did. not He goes, so you're never going to get a dime that I made. I go, I don't want it. And that's how I've lived my life forever. Right. He doesn't need a dime. I I have people, they'll message me, you know, would your dad come on? I have turned down literally in the last two weeks for him, at least three podcasts, $3,000 an hour, at least 3,000 an hour. He goes, I don't give a shit. I, I, I don't want to sit in a chair for an hour to talk because my back hurts so fucking bad. I'm like, I got you. So when finally I said, Hey, but this is a Mid-South podcast in England, your dad was from Liverpool, but I just think it would be just mind blowing. So people aren't going to ask you about Bill Watts, Bill Watts. They're asking about Mid-South. He goes, Oh, uh, I mean, I'll look into, it. I said, no, I'm going to send you the link for the episode. They want to run, look at it or don't look at it. I'm asking you for me because remember the fans. As soon as I said that, I could hear him go. Let me, send me the link it was done no it's done it was done and i still thought there's a 50/50 chance he's going to blow me off cuz he hurts it's not cuz he's mad it's just sure. hurts yeah he did it man i called him because because we had to get off and then, then then you know i had to share some espn information with him so he could get on espn to to uh, watch my daughter play basketball last night but he goes eric son thank you you know what? i had a blast now i've never done about podcast with my father either but it wasn't about that. It was about, he even told the guy, he goes, your questions hit so perfect. And I can tell you know more about that episode than I'll ever remember. But because you care that much, there must be people that care that much. And the guy was like doing it for his two year anniversary on this episode. He goes, "You, Eric said, you've done two years of this. You know, thank you. I've never heard my dad, you know, not that he didn't. He went from, eh, 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 to thank you. And it was great, right? So that just reminds me, of why we do what we do and what's important about what we do and 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 appreciating what we do. When I when I'm with Dallas Page and I don't know what his check is or doesn't, I don't give a shit. But I was like, Dee Dee, you know, because he had a run longer than me, bigger than me, you you know? But I was like, Dee Dee, think about this, bro. They still send me money. And he's like, Damn. And I'm like, damn, right? You know? So now, that that's when you know you're talking to the true players and the people that truly, true, truly understand and appreciate it. Now, I, I was I was I was blessed by being raised into it, and, and it was a curse too, right? You know, because I have buried more friends in the last eleven years than Vietnam vets have buried, because it was a crazy time when I came in. You know, we had a lot of big guys that didn't know what they were doing. That were just big ass athletes. So we hurt each other. There, there is a time in which, you know, you know, you, you took what you took and you did what you did so that you could perform. I mean, I've got, I've got, you know, a lot of people don't know. I was mandated to, to stop wrestling because after um after um, um not Survivor Series, but uh, not King of the Ring, but um Jesus. Um I'll think about it in a second, but after a pay-per-view at WWE. I burst my esophagus. And I wrestled for three or four more years after that. But still to this day, my throat, you can hear it raspy. I cough blood. I, I choke on every other meal. Um, I've got, you know, I've got surgical marks that aren't too bad where they went out and pulled my stomach up and wrapped around my esophagus. And but when Benoit, when the stuff with Benoit, oh Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble. Um, so when Benoit and all that shit happened, they were you used to be able to sign your life away to the Federation so that if you died, like if you, if you had some injuries that you probably shouldn't wrestle as long as you would sign something that said your family, if you die, could not sue the Federation. So, so that was cool. But when Benoit did what he did and all that, they got rid of anyone that was even questionable and it got to a point where I was uninsurable And I was a liability and I just, but I had two companies. I had a paint company and a construction company, but it tortured me, you know, but even my kids now, you know, I'll still be there and start choking and they remember, but I was like, you know, what's funny had Vince and these people said they couldn't insure me. So I couldn't wrestle. I'd probably be dead too, because I just keep on doing it. Not because I'm a fool. I'm not, I'm not a fool. You can't own companies and do what I've done. If you're a fool. It's just it was in you know it was ingrained in me. I loved it. I, lo- I loved it that much, and yeah, I love it. Now, I don't watch AEW and WWE. I you know now I I couldn't be up to date about it because sometimes it frustrates me because when you see it you get so juiced up about it you know, but um, I live and breathe pro wrestling, man.
0: It's it, um, it's like we do, Jordan, right?
1: Yeah, we we're-, we're, we're completely we're hooked and. I wanted to ask you before Chris, I know Chris is desperate to ask you about TNA.
0: It can work, it's cool,
3: yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I have one question because during that time in WCW, in the UK, WCW was just starting to make its way like over to us and you know, the uh, the action figures and stuff like that started to come out. We had random action figures, UK exclusives of people like Big Josh and all that. You know, you mentioned Johnny B Badd, I found this is right next to my laptop. It so, says- That's awesome. Um, why wasn't there an Eric Watts figure?
2: I think and, and first of all, uh, let me just say this, it's hard to sign a figure, but if you if you somehow I'll give you my address, you can send that to me, and i'll get I'll get Mark to sign that for you, and I'll send it back to you if you if you want to. Oh, um, you know i' I'll, I'll be more than happy to do that. You know, find the postage, send the postage in, and I'll, I'll be more than happy to do it because I appreciate your love for the sport. I think that what happened to me was I was just I was at 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 WCW my first whatever 3 years it was no one got figures I mean I mean literally it was only it was only the top dudes you know like the Sting or the Vader you know whatever and and I can tell you that WCW was not as up to speed as WWE was when it, com- it came to all things marketing mm-hmm okay so then when i went to wwe i'm there and vince and them are going to drop the belts on me and chad fortune within three weeks it was crazy and then chad just had a difficulty in the locker room and he had difficulty he's a high-end athlete but he just made stupid errors and because we were Tad, because it was my choice to bring him up there they sent us to memphis so then so then after that vince one he, he let chad go and was wanting to repackage me well the package took too long so i said hey I, I you know here's the deal i don't have like every day that i'm not wrestling i'm not i'm not learning to be a master of my craft so i appreciate the money you're sending me but what the shit does it matter like like you have to wrestle you know i was averaging 305 matches a year for a long time and i'm like all of a sudden if you go down to zero how do you catch that shit up Mm. like like guys guys used to get their 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 schedules at wcw and they would high five to see who had the lowest because they're getting guaranteed money i would be pissed now because i did my contract different and i did it on a, i did it for a reason that they had an incentive to book me at least 25 times so i did that on purpose because i wanted as much exposure as possible so WWE is different. And when we're hot, we're hot. And then he sent us to Memphis and things happened in Memphis. So I think what ended up happening was I, I in TNA, I don't, I you know, at TNA, I, I, I don't even know. Cause I remember when they they scheduled me and, and they they brought in the lasers and they did the 360 lasers around me and shit. And I think that Jeff Jarrett at the time had a problem with me and kiboshed it. But, uh, but I can tell you I, only TNA I would imagine TNA is about the only place that was going to make a doll due to the fact that, you know, even at WWE, you had to be established, right? You know, I, you know, Matt and Jeff Hardy didn't have a doll the first, you know, few years, you know, and, and later on sometime and, and, and please don't take this wrong, but I gotta, I gotta cut off pretty soon. And if we want to do another segment some other time we do, cause we've been on here about two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. Or so. wow. Yeah. No, we have, and 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 so so I got some things I've got to do, but you know later on I'll tell you because Matt, Matt and Jeff Hardy got their outfit from me, and I had brought uh, I decided to do an indie show for the hell of it, and I was going to prove to people that Vince and WCW care about wrestling. So I did an indie show in Tulsa. I didn't even live in Tulsa. Found another guy to help me promote it. Called WCW for some athletes. I called WWE for some athletes, and they all gave me some athletes. Then we brought in, like, uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, Steve Dr. Death Williams, Michael Hayes. Uh, I was going to wrestle Bam Bam Bigelow, uh, uh, Skandar Akbar came. Uh, they sent Elizabeth and all this other stuff. So Vince, when he made the deal with me to send me some talent, he said, hey, I, do you mind if I send these two, two kids? I think they're really good, and, and I would like just to get some more work. And I said, yeah. And so Prince Albert, I don't know if you guys remember Prince Albert, right? Yeah. So Prince Albert was part of the package, and so he comes. So Prince, what a great guy. Uh, we're in the back, and, and I got a lot going on. I flew in. I'm, i made a main event. You know, uh, it was sold out. Uh, Tulsa Fairgrounds. I think the ticket sales back then, uh, it was sold out. I think we did over forty eight thousand dollars in money that night, uh, which is which is off the fucking chart. It was sold out. Period. You know, and um Prince comes. He goes, "Hey guys, come here." And uh, I was at WCW at the time, and they go talk to him. And these two kids come up and go, "Sir, I go, yeah." And I said, All right. "I said you're the tag team out in North Carolina, or something like that." The fence is high about uh, high about. He goes, "Oh, we didn't know he's that high about us, but we got to be honest with you. When you came back to WCW, you got these genes." And, and with colors on them, I said, yeah, I went to this place called Hot Topics. They go, Oh, my God, yeah, Hot Topics is a big, like, and, and they're still around. It was more like a grunge skateboard. You know, they had the, the jeans and the tight shirts. I said, yeah, I, I, I just brought it on. And, and the thing about it was Bischoff brought me back, and Dallas was excited, and I'm having these great matches, and Bischoff goes, I don't like his outfit. I'm like, Dallas, F me. You mean to tell me I'm busting my ass, he's loving me, he, but he wants me to change my outfit. Tell him, F off. I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with the games. I've never been that way. I mean, But I had it. Like, like don't my outfit, you don't like now. It was so funny how this happened. So I'm doing Saturday night, I'm doing Monday night, I'm doing the shit. And I got to hear the only thing he wanted me to do is change my outfit. So these uh, two kids come up, and I was like, talk to him. And like, sir, we know not to steal moves and We know not to steal outfits. No, we know not to steal finishes, and we know not to steal outfits. I go, what's your point? We go, we love your tight shirt. and We love how you wear the jeans and the dark boots, and you change it up. What are you asking me? Can we at, can 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 we take this to Vince? We want we want uh, we want this to be our outfit at WWE. And in the back of my mind, I was replaying the recording of Dallas going. They're really happy with you coming back. They just want you to change the outfit. And I just said, "Tell them to fuck off." You know, like like that. It pisses me off. Like, pick something else, right? Mm. Or why don't you do this? Design an outfit and ask me to wear it. Yeah. But but now it's the politics. Someone's mad that Eric Watts is there. I want to play the politic game, so you're going to step me on the shelf because of my outfit. No. Nah. So I'm like, you know what? And I didn't know these kids from Adam. I did not know whether they were going to be good or not. Vince McMahon had said, hey, I got these two kids. I want you to, would you do me a favor? You don't even have to pay them. I said, sure, Vince. Vince was loaning me fucking like three or four main people I needed for my show. Of course, Vince, I'll do it. First of all, who the hell am I? You know, but it shows you how cool Vince is, right? So so I'm like, okay. And I said, um, I said, yeah, I'd love for you two. So I remember I called Paige. I go, dude, I know Eric doesn't like my outfit, but someone likes my outfit. And he goes, who? I said, there's two young kids that are going to take it to events. It's going to be hot as hell at WWE. He goes, what's her name? I go, two kids out of North Carolina, Matt and Jeff Hardy. And he goes, I never heard of them. I go, well, they want my outfit. And he goes, well, what does that mean to me? Shit, bro. Two months later, Matt and Jeff are fucking on top of the world. Not not on the top, but they're they're climbing. He's like, that's your outfit. I go, no shit. They asked me if they could wear it, right? You know? And and, and then I'm like, so ask Bischoff if he likes that outfit. You know, and and not (laughs) dogging Bischoff. It's just politic bullshit. But these stories, you can't make them up. This is on a, a show I put together whatever reason karma you know these kids ask and all this other stuff you know and, and uh and uh that that's how that happened so it, you know um i don't know it's it, it, so the doll thing the doll thing never happened i got three or four people asking me to do dolls now i don't know who's good and who's not um uh but i'm gonna let one of these companies make a doll of me um and and see where we can go with it, uh, just for the hell of it. And more for my kids. I mean, my you know my one kid's twenty two. My my daughter's second year starting in Navy. You know she's seventeen. I mean, but still, you know maybe have a doll around so when their kids have, you know, when she has, when they have kids, they can say, hey, my dad had a doll, but it'd be way after I wrestled, right? But yeah, you, you guys are right. Well, if
1: they if, I, they, do I, I figure, if they do make a figure, they do make a figure. Surely it's got to be that Eric Watts TNA. Like, look, because it that is the killer look of all looks. Killer. That you look like okay, a so, mean so, so, sob. So
2: this is so crazy. We're talking about this, right? Because thank you for saying that. I, that that's one of my issues. So what is it? Is it Techno Team Two Thousand? No, that's a WWE. So I can't touch. So when you say TNA, right? So when I was at WCW, you guys remember when I came back the second time? I wore the like the black or blue jeans with the yeah. yellow stripes and the tight shirt. You wore that when, in ECW too, right? For a, a, a little EC, while. Yes, 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 yes. I wore it at ECW. Sure. So, so, so when I went to TNA, it was when Vince Russo wanted to get me on the mic more, and so he's like, "Let's come up with this thing called Director Authority," because we were hanging out all the time. I said, "Let's let's do this," and then I actually, I didn't know what I was gonna wear, and so I'm like, "What?" So I remember, he talked to me on a Tuesday. We had to go Wednesday. I said, what's my thing gonna be because director of authority? Guys, I took jeans out of my closet and I, I burnt my fingers because I didn't have gloves. I took a washcloth into bleach and I wrote D O A on jeans, hoping it wouldn't bleed. Washed them. Then I had like a Tommy Hill figure black shirt. Yeah. And then I wore like a, a, a like a, a, a beanie hat. And that's what so. So is that what you guys are remembering when I wore the big, big jacket, the big shirt with the jeans with the DOA on it?
0: Yeah, it was, it was the jeans, it was the shirt, and it was also how you because you had really long hair at that time as well. So you yeah. had like the ponytail at the top, but then the loose yeah, yeah, hair yeah. coming down. Dude, and that the, was and my the shit. chain across the yeah, chain the, chain, the yeah. Like your oh, the TNA chain, okay. run was amazing. Yeah. Like I will mark out each and every single time that era of of TNA. When it first came through, it was like the new WCW. It was fucking innovative. You had loads of good guys in there. Um, you were having some great matches with, like, you know, Don Callis and all that. You know, you were having with getting involved with DDP, Raven, you know, the whole Goldilocks thing as well. You know, it was all great, right, let, let, let's
2: do this. Let's do this. I don't know if you guys can do this, but if there's any way that we could – end here and if you ask me not to i'll, I'll stay a little bit longer but no, oh, no, it's know
1: absolutely, absolutely but hey, hold on
2: let, let's end let's pick this up at a date of your choice but there's a lot going on pretty soon but let whether it's next week let jb you've got my number right and you, you guys share my number yeah. let's get on let's do tna because now you guys have got me going because a, I want to do this doll so you know i was wondering like you know, if I have the jeans and it says DOA, if people remember if you did WCW, but I did a lot of jeans. I did do what I call the two-tier ponytail. Yeah, I did glasses, I did tight shirt. And I think that would be the way I should do it. I wish I could show you someone, someone um someone sent me a picture when I was at GCW. I had the jeans and I actually wore a GCW uh, They that came out with like a sweatshirt. And I cut the neck out of the sweatshirt to wear the ring, and I had the hoodie and glasses. And if I told you how many. Thousands of dollars I lost with the whole glass thing because I I find the most pimp glasses and I'd wear them and somehow they wouldn't make it back. And I'm like, so why am I buying three and four hundred dollar glasses to not make it back to the dressing room? <laughs> I was like, I was like <laughs> laughing so hard. You know, I really was because but I got a big head, so you gotta have the right glasses and shit. But it's it's hilarious because I am like, God, I like those glasses. God, I, you know, um, let's do this. I let's dance with the TNA. Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do another interview. Let's go all TNA. We can do WCW. Let's do this. Um, but honestly, let it be known that you guys are helping me with the thought and I need to do it soon, but I got to find, if you guys find some images, now I got the one with the chain, my favorite image that I can't find a good uh, JPEG of my favorite image of all images is someone took a picture of me. I was sitting in a seat with a TNA mic and I had my hands taped and I actually use it for a publicity picture, but I don't have the JPEG anymore. So they're getting faded. I'm trying to find that original, which won't, won't, won't do good as a doll. But it literally, if you guys see some pictures of me in, in that outfit that you like, please email them to me, send them to me, because th- these people that are wanting dolls are like, tell us what you want. And I'd love to have your guys input you know, if you can find images, please send them to me and, and yeah. so that maybe I can send them off because I want to get a doll sooner than
0: later. There, there's a there's a cool one where you you were involved in the match between Raven and DDP and everyone thought you were gonna come and help one of them and you screwed them and you helped yeah. the other guy and you were standing in the ring and it was it was that outfit. It was the black shirt with the jeans and the hair right. with the ponytail. That's the shit, dude. Well,
2: well I, I'd like to find that DDP had made me change my outfit there at the end, which which I, I did it, but I didn't like it. He had me in the big pants, yeah. the singlet with a W on my stomach. I remember. Um, it looked good. It looked good, but I was a little out of shape. And it was the, the – the, the, well, Dixie Carter knows. The end of TNA was a horrible situation for me because I was going through a divorce – For five years, and it was the most ridiculous. You thought I was you thought I was a fucking Kardashian. It was it was the dumbest shit ever. And and drug it to the point where I hadn't seen my kids in a year. The legal system was trash. I, you know, I had to have people like take pictures of my kids so I could just see my kids. It was it was horrible. And it was, you know, all of a sudden pro wrestling became real. He's six, six, three hundred pounds. I'm scared of him. Well, we were married 15 years. What are you scared of? You know, I mean, I've never touched anyone, you know. Well, hold on, I've never touched a woman. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. so it got ugly, but my point was that it crushed me because my legal team got with me and they're like, Look, you know, yeah, your blood, you're this, but you know, TNA is good about it. But here's the deal we're getting ready to end this divorce. And if you are making to you know, crazy money the way this is going, they're going to handicap you with child support so that if you don't wrestle for the next 12 years, you're going to be paying this. Child's sport. So, in order to negotiate at the very end of this, you need to get out of wrestling and then go back.
3: Yes. So
2: I remember, yeah, I remember because I called Dixie because this is the shit. Dallas comes in, Raven's there, and they both want angles with me. So the angle was going to be that I face Raven, and what and, 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 and what was going to end up happening was in that was that raven was going to disclose that i had been sleeping with kimberly page dallas's wife and out of nowhere me and dallas were going to go into an angle
1: wow
2: now what a lot of people don't know was there was a company i'll look it up it was an nwa or someone that got the rights to a company and about, I don't know, six months before that, this guy calls out of Chicago. He was running a show like in Phoenix, Arizona or something. Sold out. Had got the rights to like NWA or AWA. I think it was AWA. Made a belt, made the whole thing. Decides to run the show and is going to run shows like once a month and was paying huge money and was going to bring in top talent. And they called DDP and said, hey, we want you to have the title. And Dallas goes, I can't have the title where I'm at. And they go, okay, who do you suggest that you would want to wrestle? And Dallas goes, Eric Watts. And they go, God, yeah, yeah, we were thinking Eric Watts too. And he goes, and I think you should put the title on him. And they go, holy shit. Yeah, let's do it. I didn't know all this. So then I get a call, and the guy goes, would you wrestle DDP in Phoenix or wherever for the title, knowing that they're going to put the title on Dallas? I said, sure. And they go, matter of fact, another person asked if they could be part of the match. I go, who? And they go, Mick Foley. I go, he's a,
0: so He was the ref.
2: Th- was he the he ref? He was the freaking ref. Not, I remember that shit. He who? was the freaking ref. Yeah. And so, so I was thinking, okay, we're going to have a three-way match, right?
1: he was the ref
2: he was the ref dallas loses to me and it was kind of crazy because we all had to jet out different ways and mick goes and i wouldn't even think about it he goes you gotta ride the airport i go yeah and he goes go with me and so i got in the car with him and mick was so deep and i knew mick for a long time that mick he took the time in the car to go finally eric i go finally what and I go finally you get the right shit i go what do you mean he goes ddp called that all the way i jumped on this show to be a part of it because it's your time now people have held you back it's your time i'm like what do you mean he goes you got the belt these guys are going to run towns they're going to do this dallas wanted it dallas loves you i love you i want to be a part of it because I, I was even thinking like you flew mick foley in to be a rep right and then as soon as that shit happened, of course, <laughs> the company goes to hell. Yeah. So, so, but, but it was like six months, a year later. Now <laughs> Dallas is going to come to TNA, and 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 you know Hogan's a part of it and shit like this. You know, there's Hogan and all this, and yeah. Dallas is like, no, because because you talked to Raven. Raven said Eric's the hottest thing in TNA. J- Jeff J- Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett hates it, but he's the hottest thing. So Dallas is like, fuck it. Hogan and Jarrett are doing their things and is Hogan and is he not just got all the shit he needs to do. Why don't we just run this circle? So, and, and believe it or not, in that match with Raven, it, it hurt my heart. I went out of the ring. I dislocated my shoulder. And you, if you watch the match, I was trying to put my shoulder back in. Hmm. I finally tried. I finally got my shoulder in and Raven said, choke slammy. And he went to the side that my shoulder, I popped my shoulder out and I tried to lift him and he fell. And then I had to pick him up again and do it. And I was so hurt and so embarrassed. So after that match, I'm like, okay, it's on. We're gonna do this Dallas Page thing, we're gonna do this Raven thing. And my lawyer called up and goes, Eric, if 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 you run this run, I, I can't tell you what's gonna happen. They're not gonna settle, they're not gonna do shit, and they're gonna stick everything in your brains. And I called Dixie, and Dixie's like, Eric, please don't. And I go, I got to. And she was kind enough. She goes you know, you got X number. I can't remember what I had. I had like five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks left in my contract. And, um, she goes, okay, we'll let you go. Let let us send you the rest of the contract and you know, whatever was marketing money. I go, no, she goes, what do you mean? I go, no, she goes, I don't need the money. I go, "I, I can't, I literally quit and would not receive the rest of the payments in order to get divorced. And then I got divorced and then three years later I went back and fought and got 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 accustomed to my kids back and so it was a crazy story um but just so you guys know that's how shit and you know that's when I knew things were going to take off I wasn't hurt because I was still coughing blood and all this other stuff but um it was it was it was it was definitely crazy so you know if we you know like let's set this up let's do some TNA let's talk but guys if you find something um that that would be right and you know they're gonna need stuff for me standing up or whatever image. If you guys find images, WCW help me help me design this dog, you know. Cause I because if you guys do this in the next week and a half, two weeks, the guy's dogging me every day saying, Would you send me something? Would you send me something? So if you guys see some images, please share them with me. You got my email. Let's do this.
0: Oh no, what Absolutely. a shame.
2: I'm gonna have to watch some TNA. Oh no. <laughs> oh yeah. no. <laughs> yeah but we got to be able to steal images that are good enough because i don't know i don't know what this guy says you know i don't know whether he means does he need the quality so that he can do the laser i don't yeah. know but i'd like to get some images and send them to him and say this is what we want there's you good know?
0: quality there's good quality footage online and i i watch okay. a lot of tna on youtube and they've got their okay. own like video archives as well so oh, they do? um yeah yeah yeah
3: um, well, i
2: got i you know i gotta look into that because i you know my kids have been beating me up and i'm like I, I wish, you know, because Dixie's out of it now, you know, and I was thinking about calling Dixie. I haven't talked to her in 10 years because what I'd like to do is I'd like to find all the archives of when I was there, whether I had to pay for it or not, because I'd like to show them the storyline. You know, Tommy mom, Dreamer. Speak to Tommy their mom, Dreamer. Their, their, mom, their mom even got invo- uh, uh, invited on to two of the shows with Goldilocks. And, uh. like, and, and we'll talk about that because that was part of the divorce.
3: No. People don't know that.
2: Vince Russo did that sick shit. Cause he's a sicko. I love him. He's a sicko. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you're getting divorced. I'm like, yeah. And you got me tag. You got me like in a, uh, you know, in a deal with uh Goldilocks and now I'm going home trying to save my marriage in counseling. And now she thinks I'm banging Goldie. Yes. He's like, so, so he goes, how mad is she? Go, she will kill me. She's going to kill me. He's like, she's going to take all my money away. And that's when he goes, let's do an angle where you lose all your money. So no, he's what? just sick. No, he's sick. He's sick. And so oh. me and him talked to guys. I'm telling you, if you guys look at the episodes, I can tell you how it was going because it's all based on my divorce. It was horrible, and I loved wow. it. Yeah, he's wow. a sicko. that will be great.
0: We, we'll do like we'll do a a, a TNA episode where if Absolutely, we can get you back on, yeah. that'll be
2: hell fantastic. yes, hell yes. But give me some give me some images, man. Sure. Hell yes, let's do this.
1: Awesome, right, Eric. Let's let's let you go. Um, you've. You said you, you you've been with us for you know nearly, oh, nearly three, three hours, hours. man. It's, it's
2: been incredible. Yeah, thank yeah, you so much. Well, hopefully we didn't bore anyone. Cut cut out the boring parts, guys. No, there uh, was not, no not boring minute, parts. Not a
1: minute. It's all been um, like, fantastic we're, yeah. we're so hey, I'm being I'm, I'm
2: being serious, brother. On the um, you guys uh, on the um, on the Mark Marrow, and because uh, I see him quite often, and DDP he's so busy right now, but if you got like, if you got one or two of those things, um, guys just, you know, send the shit with return postage. Um, but give me a second, you know, sure. I, I know I got, I got, uh, DDP's, um, DDP's Christmas party is December 4th. And I know me, Mark, Dee. Van Hammer, there's a list of guys, but I, I do know DD, Dee Dee, of course, it's his house, and then Mark's going to be there, so so if you guys give me those two things, if you want them, only if you want them, if you, can get them, to me, if you can get them to me before December 4th. I can, I can, I'll tote this shit with me and hopefully not get it stolen. Hopefully not get it stolen or not to be too drunk to give it away to the Toys for Tots. But if you send me some shit, I'll try to get it signed and then and I'll, and I'll send it back, you know, just send me some return postage, you know, and, 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 um, I think it would be cool for you guys to have, you know, it signed, you know. Amazing,
0: much so appreciated.
2: Cool. Thank you. And sir. um,
0: you know, if you could sign something yourself for us, it would be incredible because we love this. This is for us. Like you say, we live this. We love it, and we do want to keep this as like a historical record. This is why we do the podcast. Well, if I
2: sign something, can you bump Raven's ass or someone's ass over so mine can be where I can? Of see course, it? bro. Yeah, <laughs> man. Fuck Jesus it. Christ. because to I, 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 I see some jabronis up there. <laughs> 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 i'm teasing i'm teasing they're, they're they're all more famous than me but i want to feel special for a second Damon. oh man
0: don't worry you'll go you'll go right up there eric for sure yeah yeah man. well
2: just uh, j- just send a thing. send a send a box or whatever with some postage on it so you know i'll throw in some uh you know pictures or whatever i can for you guys and then Thanks, we can t- and, th- and then what we can do is have me on the show where i can like, you, you can just take pictures of the guys behind you. I can choose who I want to knock off. That, cool, man. <laughs> we do. <laughs> the thing that sucks is you're going to have to find someone really bad. And I don't know many really bad guys. So we're going to have to find someone. Yeah, I'm looking. Like <laughs> Raven. Steph- Stephanie McMahon, Stephanie you McMahon wait, can McMahon. You got not wait to be Sting up there, right? You got two Sting. You got Sting
0: and Sting. Yeah, I've got, I've got Crow Sting. I've got um, Normal Sting. Well,
1: got the little sticker album and everything. There's, there's a little who's, Sting. Who's
2: the, who's the, yeah. Who's the jab- who's the jabroni next to Sting uh, uh, over there? Tatanka. No, up, up one.
0: Oh, uh, oh, these one. That's Enzo Amore and um, and uh, Big Cass.
2: I don't even know those guys. Uh-oh. They're definitely jabronis. <laughs> I, I can get over there. They can go the fuck over there. Who they ever be? What. Will
0: fuck Luger off. He can fucking do one. No, God, yeah, don't do
2: that. <laughs> now he's in a wheelchair again. Don't okay. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. No. I and and so but no, those guys right there, man. Yeah, those Enzos and and whoever named themselves out are like car rims and shit. We need to get rid of those. Guys. <laughs> okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what 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 is that Bootios? What's Bootios? Oh, that's oh, the new yeah. day, new day. Yeah. new day stuff. Yeah. That's the new day. Jeez, I'm that old, right? But we got bootios. Holy yeah. crap!
0: I got the Hardys up there as well. You got the hard Well, no boys. Hardys.
2: No Hardys. We can get Kurt Angle. Yeah, look Kurt at the size Angle. of his feet. Yeah. Who's 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 who is a uh, Kurt Angle uh, skull fucking right there?
0: Oh, it's uh Christian.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was a good dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't talk shit about him. He's a great <laughs> worker. He's a great worker. No, he he was. But I I'll try to find someone else I can talk shit about. But those two guys I definitely don't care about. <laughs> okay, I don't I don't even know them. So yeah, we can get rid of them. Cool, yeah, Go, <laughs> Yeah, Sting is Sting would beat me up. You know, because when my dad, when my dad found Sting and, and uh Hellwig, right, they weren't tagging, right? And and um and so um, you know, St- 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 Steve's Sting's real name, right? Yeah. Steve Borden, right? And I'm not, and I'm not the guy that throws something out that no one knows because I, I I was taught that don't say real names, but 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 everyone knows it's Steve Borden. Well, do you understand that when my dad brought him into the mid south before he made them, you know, uh, Sting and, and and Rock the Blade Runners, right? Yeah. That's how. So when my dad made that, Sting was wrestling as Flash Borden instead of Flash Gordon. Yes, yes. Yes. And when I found that out, I threw up a little bit in my mouth. (laughs) And then I'm like, what? Really? And he's like, no, that's what they came up with. And then later on, you know, like when Hero Mad when they came up with Lex Luger, because it's someone like Les Luther, but they didn't want to call him Luther and it was Luger. I mean, some of the, um, when, when the, the, one of the last autograph sessions I had, um, way back it was Flair's like 60th birthday or whatever it was. And and sold out arena and all this other stuff in, in like North Carolina somewhere. And they had probably 25 really good, you know, talents there. And I was sitting right next to, 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 um, uh, animal, uh, roadworks. Right. And so me and him were talking like, God, you know, when you're, when your son, when you're okay. So when, when his son played at Ohio state, he was an incredible linebacker. Mm Laurenitis. Well, the guy, and I don't know if he went higher in the draft because they both went high in the draft. The other killer linebacker, do you know the guy's name? His name was A.J. Hawk. Okay, so, okay, no, hold on, hold on. So it's on ESPN and here is Animal and they got him like like he's standing in one of the, the corridors where you walk to your seats. And they go, Look at that. It's one of the Road Warriors here to watch his son play in the shoe because they called the Ohio State the shoe. Sold-out crowd. The people are feeling it. You got Road Warrior fans. And look, his son, A.J. Hawk, is playing. They thought he was Hawk. <laughs> oh, he, no. he, he, listen, I can't make this shit up. When people used to come to me because my dad's like, don't ever give out anyone's name. So i get fans coming up and going, your friends was Sting. I'm like, yes. They go, is that his first or last name? I go, first. They go, what's his last name? He goes, Sting. His real name is Sting 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 Sting. <laughs> right. So so I'm sitting there talking to Animal, and he's like, Eric. No one has brought that shit up. He goes, I heard about it. I had taped the game. It pissed me off so bad I couldn't <laughs> see straight. So we're sitting there, we're sitting there talking. Now let me tell you how fast life goes. So he's like, you do understand that your dad's the one that gave us this gimmick. And I I get this all the time. I'm like, no, I didn't know that. Because my dad didn't go brag about what he did and didn't do, right? He's like, yeah. He said he brought us in and he gave us a VHS tape of Mad Max. And he goes, I want you to be like these characters. Crazy haircuts crazy fucking something come up with it and so they were like now listen okay okay let me ask you this because now you're gonna make me feel like a dumbass remember when they used to go oh yeah do you know why they did that because i didn't I, okay I did, I did so i'm sitting here now listen this is just whatever four years ago five years ago i should know this by now i don't so they're like so we're sitting there and we're watching this you know, uh, Mad Max and we're like, oh yeah, Bill's gonna like this, Bill's gonna like this. So uh, Hawk cut his hair like this and Animal had the, the mohawk. And he goes, so Eric, we told your dad that we were gonna be like fucking electrical. So we made it like a socket on him. And so then we put our heads together like we were plugging it into an outlet and when we do it, we go, oh yeah, feel the rush. Hold on. I'm going, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Because <laughs> I, I, I never heard the story in my life. I'm like, oh my God, had I known that 20 years ago, now listen, I, I there's probably people that know this. I didn't know why they were plugging their heads. I didn't know they were plugging their heads in. I thought they were just hitting heads and they're just too big. Guys. No, they're like, no. I, we remember when we went to your dad, we had this, we did this, and then we plugged our heads in and go, oh, yeah, I feel right. And your dad loved it. I'm thinking, all this shit happened how many years ago? I have no idea. Because he, he was like, hey, can I get a hold of your dad? I really need to talk to him. I love him. He's made this. He was, um, he was saying, you know, Eric, I, he showed up at a few football games with the Road Warrior Pats. Well, all of a sudden, it took off. And so like at the University of Georgia game, Seattle Seahawks, all these American companies, you'll see guys now wearing like his shit or their shit. And he was wanting to talk to my dad about his business acumen about how could he go to the NFL and the NCAA, NCAA is who, who goes over college athletics and the NFL supports it. And he wanted to sit there and say, hold on, this is our shit. And, 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 and we want to go ahead and trademark it or whatever. And then we want to make every college and every, which was a brilliant idea. So I gave him my dad's number and and, and I don't know how long after that is when he passed away. And I never asked my dad, you know, you know, what were they working on it together? Um, because I was so, uh, I was sitting there, we we're signing autographs together. Go, huh? What? What happened? Yeah. I was so blown away. And, and I can't tell you, it happened with Shawn Michaels. It happened with Macho Man. And these guys will come up and tell me stories about how grateful they are to my dad, and then I'll go to my dad and go, yeah, that, you know, that's exactly what happened. And I'm like, mind-boggling, because you think that it would come from my dad, and then I go, eh, maybe right, and maybe wrong. You hear it from the, you you actually hear the appreciation from other people. Then you go to your father and you go, Dad, is that really what happened? And you're like, yeah, you know, like with, like when Macho Man, Macho Man started in Tampa, Macho Man was a uh, pro baseball minor league. Macho Man came to my dad, and my my dad said, train with Hiro Matsuda. You train with Hiro Matsuda. And he goes, like, baseball can't know. He goes, you're from parts unknown. They put a fucking mask on him. And because my dad believed me in wrestling matches, he goes, I believe, Bill, if you'll tell me I'm good enough to wrestle, I don't want to play baseball. I love wrestling. And my dad said, you're good enough to pro-wrestle. He went and told pro-baseball, see you later, took the mask off him, and that's how he started Who knows that. Right. And and he told me that he told me that at a bar. I was at WCW. He was at WWE. They wrestled Baltimore. We wrestled Philly. The next night we were going to switch towns. We went up to, to, to where they're at, at the Marriott. They all those guys stayed. We're at a bar. And all I was going to do was go downstairs and tell him how much I appreciate the fact that it didn't matter who he's wrestling every Monday night he put it on the line and that I recorded all the matches and I I went to tell him you're allowing someone like me to 100% continue to study and learn from you, sir. Thank you for loving the business so much that you'll put your body and your life on the line, no matter who you're wrestling to entertain and educate the fans. That's what I went to tell him. I came up to him. They closed off the bar. We got there late and I was coming in. And um, they stopped me, and it was him and Hogan and, and Tatanka and some other people, and I go, a wrestler, and I go, okay. And I walked in, I go, I was getting ready to say, hey, Ma, he goes, oh, yeah, come here. And he's like in gimmick. I'm like, yeah. He's like, how are you doing, Eric? And then he just goes into the story. I just told you about Tampa and Matsuda, And I was like looking, you want a drink? And on having a drink with him, and, and, I, and, I, and I went to go, well, sir, you know, I was getting ready to tell him how much I appreciated him. He goes, here's my number. You keep it. Don't let anyone know you have it. I know you're going through some shit. The second you need my help, you can come to WWE. I'll take care of things at WCW because I see you're pushing it. I see you deserve it. Call me if you ever get in trouble. I said, yes, sir. I took his fucking phone number. I shredded it up and threw it away. I never called him. It, it was the greatest thing, but I walked out going, man, I didn't tell him how special, you know, he was. Now we got together later and talked later. And he asked me to, you know, and later on, I'll tell you, you know, Hunter did the same thing to me later on, you know, I was going to Japan and I called Hunter. And I said, Hey, Hunter, I want to talk to you. And he goes, he goes, he goes, Hey, I, I just sat down for dinner with China. So that tells you about the time I go, I want to talk to you, man. I think I want to come back to WWE. He goes, Did someone tell me you're going to Japan? I go, yeah. He goes, call me back when you get back from Japan. We definitely have a space for you. I said, okay. Last time I talked to Hunter.
0: Well, Triple Eight. Well, Paul Levesque was your last match in WCW, only when you left the first time. And actually, it
2: ended up in Jacksonville, Florida. Yes, right. And Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan, which is uh, the biggest douchebag in the world. um, Because here we are, Dusty. Dusty had told... Dusty Rhodes had told uh, Grizzly Smith that um, he wanted me to go over on on Levesque with my finish. Grizzly gave us the finish. No problem. Now, in the industry, old school is you job on your way out, period. Period. That's what you're supposed to do. You're, You're leaving. Job out. I didn't have a problem. Like I told you guys, I don't have a problem. We're in Jacksonville. I'm a major, I'm, I'm majorly over, you know, and and, and the whole South area, you know, it was just great. Even even North I was over too as a baby face, but like more in that area too. And so I was like, okay, I mean, if that's what you guys want to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. And they're like, no, Dusty said, you know, this is a special town, and da da da. And he he wants to give the people something. It's not about the tradition of breath. This isn't TV. It's not TV. But you know, let's just give the people what they fucking want. You know, wow. you already jobbed out. Gonna- so, so Sullivan comes up and goes, what, 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 what are you saying, Grizzly? And um, and he goes, I don't give a fuck. Just like that, he goes, I don't give a fuck what Dusty. Dusty's not here. This is my call. Like. My- it's going to be interesting. And he goes, he goes, Lebec, beat his ass in the middle and beat him with the fucking his finish. Fuck him. That's exactly what happened. I go, no problem. I walked out. Let me tell you. And, 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 and you know, me and me and Lebec and you know, all that, I could say, you know, we, we, we worked out together, we wrestled together and stuff like that, but I wouldn't say, you know, me and Killer Kowalski were tight. I went up to his school a few times. Where, you know, Lebec was out of and all the shit. So, but we had this just we had this unspoken respect for pro wrestling, right? And he pulled me aside. He goes, "Aaron, no way. Why would he do that? He was just a WC." I go, "Bro, you can't do this. This is this is not how shit happens. He's got he's he's on the booking committee. He'll deal with Dusty." I'll be gone, but oh hell no, no no no! Beat my ass with the SDF right in the middle. He goes, not gonna do it. He goes, so now what are we gonna do? I go, well, what the fuck do you mean? What are we gonna do? And he, and um, and uh, and I go, well, I I'm not going over. So what do you want to do? And he goes, I'll go over, and I think and I. I I'd have to have him, you know, I'd have to ask him. I think what he ended up doing is we did the match. We did the match. And I think, um, because I had like three or four different ways, which I wish I would have shown Cena some of the ways. Cause, cause I came up with a whole bunch of different ways to come into the SPF. Um, not that he needed that, but he, he never got really creative with it, you know, cause I had a whole bunch of different ways to sure. get into it from a kick to this, to that. I, I came up with some ways. And he goes, Let's do the thing boom bump bumpy, bump me bump me film me we'll reverse it i'll go to kick you grab my foot like you're going the stf and I'll, I'll roll you up and i think he actually just did a shitty like a roll not not shitty like like but really like a fu one two three and he goes but i want you to pop out of it and come at me and i'm gonna powder out and, and and so so the one thing i knew about him because we did talk some it was just, he just studied the business and loved the business and, and, and killer Kowalski, you know, just banged it in his brain. I'm like, this kid that I have no idea necessarily who he is. I mean, killer Kowalski and we talked just pulled this on his career. That's just starting at WCW because, you know, he didn't think it was a good call based on whatever. Wow. He's either going to be dead, you know, like gone in two seconds or he's going to be something big. You know and and so something big was what it was you know and I like I said I haven't talked to him much but uh but um but that that's that's true story he 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 brand new in the WCW we'd wrestled like two weeks you know on and off again and we'd been in school and you know I don't think there's more than two or three weeks. He goes no and right after he, he was right there when Sullivan did it and he goes that bang happened. I was like he goes don't worry about it. I'm like Yeah that was deep man and then for for the rest of my life he had my respect not because i i would let him beat me with my stf2 three times because it's what the office said right oh, yeah. but but out of that that was crazy like that, that like that was i'm like this kid could be just extinguishing his career because kevin saw them to go you didn't do what i said mm-hmm. and write him out yeah. of everything yeah but whatever happened happened and he stayed <laughs> in you know and, and then he made his he made his bones up at WWE, but yeah, that that's the kind of dude he was for sure. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, send me um, send me some info about when the um the next dates are. Um, and, and we'll talk offline because I I know like Sunday I've got to you know go for like four or five days to Orlando and then like the the 20 of uh, the 25th through the 2nd of January, I'm gonna do Christmas and um New Year's in, uh, in Vail, in Vale, Colorado on the ski slopes. So, no, I, nice. I, so I, so I, I got to, I got some times in between, guys, um, that we can do this. And even though I'm going to be in Orlando, I could pop another uh, one of these, you know, next week if we need to. But let's set the times. Um, and then um, I'll send you my address so you guys can send me the stuff because we got to get it over here before that uh, DDP party. You're okay. the man,
1: dude.
0: You're the man. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so
2: much, Eric. Take care, man. God bless. God bless you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. Thanks, Eric. Yes, sir. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.
1: Whoa. Holy there- shit.
0: You have it,
1: <laughs> we have rolled on this for nearly three hours. I'm not sure if it's hit the three hour mark or not.
0: it's yes we're we're at three hours, bro that was wow. and and to be honest again, we could have just let him you know we keep we would interject with little things, and he's just you know alive he's it, all it, we can again, say it,
1: all we can say is thank you so much to Eric Watts for, yeah. for doing that that is oh three hours we have we have broken a record chris hamrick uh, you're gonna have to come back on and try again yes right <laughs> but i you know seriously hope you've enjoyed that as much as we have and because we've been doing this for three hours it's probably best that we start letting other people go if they're listening or watching so like subscribe do all that stuff smack the bells let us know just, what you thought. Let us know if you liked it. Let us know if you loved it. Let us know if you didn't like it. You know, it's... You know, it's what we do. It's what we love. And, man, that was... we, that
0: was, we uh, <laughs> You know, we've got him back for the TNA for an exclusive yeah. Stick TNA around. episode. Stick it's around fucking... around, we'll do TNA. Amazing, bro, because that was... I, I think probably is it, it could have been his best run, and it was. Unf- I mean, I never knew. Obviously, we never knew the background as to why he left TNA because he was he was white hot right there. You know, when he was there. Well, at it's that something time. I've
1: never actually seen properly, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go into it and take a deep dive and have a look and see.
0: Do it, bro. It's fucking it because, worth yeah, it. You
1: know, I can't can't go in unprepared on this because you
0: know
1: yeah. Eric fucking Watts.
0: Yeah, man. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, dude. Well done for hooking it up. Um, I will be looking through my uh my memorabilia wall if you're going to send him the figure. I might send him something to get uh Mark Mero he's, and he's DDP you to, to sign. Enzo and Cats, man. Bro, I know <laughs> they get booted off the wall. Um, yeah, man. That was good fun. That was fucking oh, good so fun. So
1: good. Um... So, yeah, let's let everyone go. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's you know, it's me, it's JB, it's Chris, Dredd, you know, and holy shit, that was Eric Watts. Thank you so much to Eric for doing that. We can't wait to start again because next time it's a, a deep dive on his TNA career and amazing. Thank you very much for sticking around. We love you all. Take care. Peace.